You were right and I was wrong. There. Did you ever expect to hear me say such a thing? Thank God for Resident Evil 3. RE3? Resident Evil 2 was just the showroom, something for the fans to salivate over and appease. Resident Evil 3 was the heart of it, some 80 yards from the events of Resident Evil 2. We bred the BOWs in the new RE engine and nurtured them for a few months and planned to move them into the Resident Evil 2 with future RE2 updates. Oh, really? I did not know that. Now, after the success of Resident Evil 2, the fan demand was insatiable, but all our work on progressive new Resident Evil titles was wiped out. Call it an, an act of God. We had to continue this remake trend, of course. The POWs and the RE engine, never intended for RE2, were released to mature on their own to their own game. Money will find a way, as you once so eloquently put it. And by now, we have a complete remake system with dozens of RA3 BOWs living in their own social groups without fences, without boundaries, without constraining technology. And for 12 months, I've tried to keep the project safe from leaking. Well, that's right. Hopefully you've kept this in an imaginative project quarantined and contained, but I'm in shock about all this. I mean, updated Resident Evil 3 BOWs, they're still alive in code. You created them without any consideration of the source material? Shouldn't they have been kicked out and left on the cutting room floor after seven days? Yes! But by God, we didn't! No one gave a fuck about the source material, and now they're flourishing! That's one of the thousand questions I want the team to answer. Team? Yes. I've... I've organized a gaming beta expedition. Thank you. Go in with early access and document them to make the most spectacular podcast review the world's ever seen. Go in and document? What do you mean, like with people? Yes, the POWs won't know they're there. Very low impact, no environmental storytelling, strictly observation and documentation. Our satellite infrared show that the POWs are fiercely territorial, the drain demos do not leave the power station. The liquor only appears once, and the gammas only live in the sewers. Nemesis is isolated in the downtown area only. All other encounters are scripted so the team can simply press one button to escape. Don't worry, I'm not making the same mistakes again. Oh no, you're making, you're making all new ones. Oh, John! So, there's another Resident Evil remake with uninspired BOWs, no love and care this time, and you want to send in four game testers in? Uh, very few people on the PlayStation, right? And and who are these four lunatics you're, you're trying to con into this? Well, it was difficult to convince them as to what they would see. They all adored the original Resident Evil 3 so much and vowed never to see a remake, so in the end I had to use my checkbook to get them there. Um, but there's uh, Nick, better known as Neptune, who is a podcast host. Uh, the Batman, who's a lore expert. Uh, we have our Resident Evil veteran, and I was hoping that perhaps you might be the fourth. Uh, we've been on the verge of Resident Evil 3 Remake ever since Resident Evil 2 Remake sold by the bucket for. Never those in the company wanted to exploit this remake in order to remake Resident Evil 4. Oh, they've been planning it for years, and I've been able to stop them until now. But uh, a few weeks ago, a leaker with nothing better to do than piss off the community 
stumbled upon Resident Evil 3 remake and their tweets got everyone excited. Oh, he's been dealt with, he's been dealt with, but the board has used the excitement generated to take control of Capcom from me. Now it's only a matter of time before this remake trend is enacted again with no end in sight. Public opinion is the one thing I can use to quell this remake virus, but in order to rally that support, I need a complete podcast review of this game and its BOWs, confirming that it should never have been created or thought about at all. So you went from nostalgist to canon conservationist in just 12 months. That's... that's something. It's our last chance at redemption. John. No. Of course, uh, uh, no. And I'm going to contact the other three members of your team, and I'm going to stop them from uh, playing. Uh, who's the Resident Evil veteran, by the way? He... He came to me. I want you to know this. Who did? Leave it to you, Sean, to have associations, affiliations, even liaisons with the best people in so many fields. You didn't contact Romby. Resident Evil veteranology is a new field, and Romby McGregor is as crusty as they come. His abilities to continue to remain relevant in the community have framed the debate. What, uh, what are you doing? Where's your phone? It's too late. He's already logged on. The others are signing on in three days. You sent the beta access code for Resident Evil 3 Remake alone? Sent is hardly the word. He couldn't be restrained. He was already trying to justify Resident Evil 2's existence, trying to work it into the existing canon. He was adamant, absolutely adamant, about making that connection to show how this new game would help that process. He thinks he's Peter Fabiano on Twitter. The originals and remakes all exist at the same time, he said. He went on and on, you know how it is. After you played Resident Evil 2 Remake, he sought you out. Then he went all the way to that testing centre in Lincolnshire to ask somebody who he didn't really know if the rumours about a reimagining approach were true. Uh, if you want to leave your name on something, fine, but stop putting it on pointless remakes of classic games and then getting people to test it. He'll be fine. He spent a year playing Resident Evil 2. It's basically the same game. Over the shoulder, bullet sponges, zombies and all. He knows what he's doing. And believe me, the research gaming team... It's not, not a gaming research playthrough anymore. It's a rescue operation to stop this remake, and it's leaving right now. Warning. This podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore. Welcome to our third Community Point Five podcast, and this is our second Community Call-In podcast, where you guys have been very kind and taken your time out to send us MP3 recordings of your thoughts on Resident Evil 3 Remake. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, so let's see who's joining us for this special Call-In podcast. We have Stars Tyrant. Hello. We have Rombie. Hello. And we have George Trevor. Hey, good evening. 
Fantastic. So this is part two of our Remake 3 coverage, if you want to uh, call it that, where we pick up on all any any loose threads that we missed from our last podcast. But more importantly, we listen to what you guys uh, have want, wanted to say about the game. It's certainly touched many people's minds and hearts, good or bad. We don't know. So let's find out. And I'm really pleased to say, first, you've had a, a really great response, and uh, we're all very grateful as well for everyone taking their time to send us your thoughts and feelings over the game. So let's crack on. And the first call-in comes in from uh, Chris Reagan. Play the tape. Hi, it's Chris Regan, um, CG underscore Regan on Twitter. Uh, I just wanted to leave my thoughts about the Resident Evil 3 remake. Um, I've been playing through the whole timeline from, from zero, recently uh because I'd, I'd played the originals back in the day but i hadn't there were a few i hadn't played so decided to give, give them all a go with the remakes coming out so it meant that i played the resident evil 3 remake back to back with resident evil 2 i hadn't played that before either uh so that came came off the back of that and it sort of ended up just feeling like an extension of that game um i really enjoyed it i thought it was, it was brilliant i loved what they did with jill um i mean i think as a lot of people were saying that the characterization the voice acting and and the writing uh, i think that those are the things that have really improved with the remake i know it's a sort of contentious issue but i did have a problem with the length i think but i think it's only only in relation to how much i paid for it because i paid for it full price and i think that it's also because i knew about the length going in a lot of the early reviews had mentioned it and so i ended up it just that just affected the way i played the game for that first playthrough i ended up treating it almost like a fine wine or something like something i wanted to sort of savor which is, is no bad thing in some ways but it meant that you know i'd play for an hour and then I'd feel like, oh, I've only got five hours of this game left. I, I don't <laughs> sort of... Because um, I tend... Like, I play games for stories, really. So I, I don't... Um, I'll normally do... You know, with the Resident Evil ones, I'll, I'll do, normally do a second playthrough. But that's that's about, that's about it. So... And I, I think, yes having resistance there is good but I, I i struggled to get into that i'll probably go back to it at some point but i have taken it off my hard drive for the time being i sort of played it for a bit and i was like no, i don't know i think if i if I, my friends were playing it i might consider it but um uh yes yeah, sorry that went on a bit but yeah those are my thoughts thanks so thank you very much for that call in uh, a couple of points so um, i'll just start by saying uh, things like resistance we will probably cover in a future uh, podcast but i I'm very much in his boat. I ne- it never even left the download button on uh, <laughs> on, <laughs> on on my game, so I didn't even get the chance to be removed. So uh, never had the opportunity to be downloaded in the first place. So he raised a really good point about the the length of the game, and I think we spoke about it in the previous podcast yeah. the pacing because uh, it, it's certainly one of the burning topics that have been raised by a lot of the reviewers um, when it when when the game came out. And he makes the point it felt more like an add-on to Resident Evil Two. It, it, is that something that you you share with I, I i i agree with him in the sense that it feels like an add-on and and really in 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 some ways i don't see why this couldn't have been created as like a double pack sort of thing i think it would have i think both would have both games would have come across better as a collective whole and it would have been a neat thing to do but i think the stuff about the length has been grossly exaggerated to be honest it's just because people these days are used to spending like the price on a game and having a you know, a hundred hour experience. You know, Resident Evil games aren't games that are like open sandbox maps with a hundred icons you've got to explore. They're short narrative story based games and in you know, in some ways 
I'm all for these shorter experiences. As someone, to be able to sort of know I can play and finish a game in five to six hours is much more preferable to me. And I actually really appreciated Remake 3's zippy nature. For me, though, more than the duration, it's just the variation, you know, that you get that's on offer whilst you're playing the game. So, again, you know, going back to the original, it, it, it wasn't particularly long and it, it was certainly short compared to 2. But we've got, you know, so much variation, you know, the different cutscenes that you get with, you know, Mikhail, the different variations in, in, in the weapons that you find and, and you know, the how and when you find Nemesis. You know, even, even for, you know, we were finding... You know, after all these years, that little secret room of the press office. So I, th- I take Star's point. You know, not looking for greater length in terms of duration, but with this game, I, sin- I mean, since the podcast, I've been playing it a lot more, and it really just feels quite superficial. Because I, you know, the, the, the chap there, Chris, mentions the characterization, and that was something that I was really hot on after a, an initial playthrough. But going back again, you know, people like, I mean, Nikolai, the character just isn't developed at all. You do make a good point there, actually, um, George, and it, I think one of the reasons why I think this game has been um, so maligned for its length and things like that is because it comes from the basis of being one of the more open-ended titles in terms of options and variation and things like that. You know, we, as you've said, Resident Evil 3 is still a game that you can put on now and see something you've never seen before, and it's remarkable for that, whereas within, like, a month, everybody's already seen everything Remake 3 has to offer. I was going to say the same thing, Sean, just about length and content as well, because it's more about that replayability, about the ability to kind of have the content in the game that kind of keeps you drawn in and the pacing and so forth, and there just isn't that. That's what's missing. When reviewers are complaining about the length, what they actually should be really talking about is not the length of time it takes to just finish the game, but what brings you back into it, what keeps you coming back, and that is really lacking from this title more than anything else. And I guess I guess it'll, it'll be much more obvious even against the Re- Resident Evil 2 remake, especially if you play the two of them together. Because even that has a lot more content. I mean, aside from the fact that it's got a bridge scenarios, it still has four different games. It has extra game modes. They added extra DLC content that is, you know, some what-if scenarios. There's actually quite a lot there for what it is, and yet the Resident Evil 3 remake, by comparison, is supposed to be made up by Resistance, and clearly not a lot of people were playing, not as many people were playing Resistance as were playing the remake. It just hasn't appealed to the same level. Yeah, there is there is an issue, I think, with saying hey, here's your outpost game content and it's a multiplayer experience in a series that's not predominantly multiplayer. You know, some people just like to sort of absorb themselves in the single-player campaign and any other additional modes. I mean, this is what I really could have just done with the mercenaries. I, I, I was going to say, to me, I, I know it's a bad, it's potentially a bad thing to say in some respects because I don't think Resistance is bad, and we'll talk about it in more detail later, but it's more about the idea that, um, that Capcom continues to try and add a multiplayer mode to most of these games, and it's like, is, is this the square pig in the round hole kind of concept? Like, this is a franchise that perhaps doesn't need that multiplayer angle, but Capcom continues to think that the more they force it, eventually it's just going to work. And it might. Like, I'm not saying that it wouldn't, but it... it the, the current strike rate is not high. We look at stuff like Umbrella Corps, we look at this, we look at Raid Mode and Resident Evil 6's battle modes are probably the most successful out of the multiplayers attached to main games. But it's not everyone's cup of tea, as you correctly say. Like that's the, that's the other issue. And it comes down to that same thing about identity. What is this franchise? What is this game series about? What? How does it play? What is it? You know, Is it a multiplayer game? Probably not. It, it's more about skiers and story-driven content, so Capcom should be really doubling down on that. 
Well, thank you, Chris, for your call, and I hope that's answered some of your questions. I uh, really appreciate that. Um, the next call-in comes in from Ploppy54. Hi, uh, Tim here, also known as Ploppy54. Just thought I'd give you my thoughts on the game. Overall, I like it. It's a nice game. Does it replace the original? No. Will I include it in future playthroughs? No. Uh, for me, Remake 1 was perfect. They took the base game, they made it better, and they added to the story. Remakes 2 and 3, they've chopped and changed so much that they're not on par with those originals. Don't get me wrong, I know that I'm biased with them because I grew up playing them, but I no longer play Resident Evil, the original, I only ever play the remake, and I'm disappointed that these remakes, 2 and 3, are not on the same level. There were good things about Resident Evil 3 that I enjoyed, but for every good change, there was an equal or greater misstep we took. For example, the opening was brilliant, really got you invested. Then Jill asks what's happening out there when she stood at the window. When you get out there onto the street, the amount of barricades that are already up and the destruction around the city, it's been going on for days, not hours, that you made to think. And it just feels really gamey. The original, Jill talks about how the city is falling and she's waiting for her best opportunity to escape the city. I like what they did with Jill and Carlos, best versions I've seen. Plus Brad's death was brilliant. But then they made Nikolai into a comic book villain. And Tyrell, he was completely changed altogether and he was no mention of him being a monitor. I'm sure you've already gone into great depths about the Gravedigger and the Dead Factory, so I won't go over that again. But I didn't see the need to have another Umbrella Lab in the game. It should have just been about Jill trying to escape the city. Nemesis was alright. People say he only chases you during the first section, but play the original enough times and it's pretty much the same, or at the very least you know when he's going to pop up. I was okay with the live selection, I generally make the same choices every time I play the game anyway, and the game length again is about right for a Resident Evil game. The only other point I missed was uh, on my first playthrough I missed the grenade launcher. On the cutscene for the second Nemesis boss fight it shows me destroying the Nemesis with the grenade, uh, the grenade launcher, um, which again it, it just takes you out of the, the immersion of it. I'm glad that uh, I have them as part of my collection, uh, but for me, the original games had a better story and a, a greater attention to detail. My only concern is that uh, because they are so different, is which history will future games reference? Will it be this current remakes or will it be the originals? Oh, and one other thing, where was Barry? How can you cut Barry out? Thanks for listening to my rant. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, Ploppy. Thank you for the call-in. Really appreciate that. Uh, really succinct and covered a vast array of points. Um, we'll try and take them all <laughs> one by one. So I think the main point that he was talking about is the basically the, the, the canon, if you like, the the changes that have been implemented it, it, with, with Jill's escape. So he has a lot of problems with the fact that Remake 2 and Remake 3 seem to be more reimaginings, and they, do, they don't come close to eclipsing the storyline of the original 2 and 3, which I think is a fair point. I, I completely agree with that. And he reminds me of a point that Batman made in the lead up to Remake of 2, when he made the point of why the original Resident Evil lended itself so well to, to a remake and why the remake did so well because it you know effectively kept the narrative and just kind of you know kind of bolted on a couple of these extra sections whereas you know as we've seen with two and three they, they are these reimaginings and i just think it's almost you know too many cooks bother broth and they've chopped and changed things and maybe if they had kept to that original formula that they used for the remake of changing very little but just simply updating it to, to, to the you know to the modern console yeah i, I definitely agree with that point too many changes. 
I think that's the thing. I mean, like I've said to someone else not too long ago, like if it's it's a progressive scale of getting things getting more and more removed. Like if remake one was almost to a fault accurate and it added in the stuff that they hadn't had time to complete in the original and cut content and looked for ways to sensibly expand it and made a, a better game for it. Two took the shortcut and gave us the you know, the Cliff Notes version and just gives us bang action, but with you know good gameplay, but just kind of just was like we need to get this done and make it modern. Three's like taking that far too extreme. It's it's just, it's 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 adding little and removing more than it takes, and it, and it, that's again another scheme of balance, you know. And and some of the ideas that the the remake three added are, are less interesting, you know, just just basically repeating the nest design. Um, and, and taking away like more interesting ideas like the Dead Factory and stuff. It's so hilarious that people think we're going to be going to El Nesto in Resident Evil 4 Remake. <laughs> I, I was going to say that that meme that's going around with like sewers and underground lab after castle is... I, I, I don't know who made that, but Chef's Kiss. Oh, <laughs> and I saw it and I went, that's exactly how the, these games have progressed. If, if we're going to have a lab at the end of every game in the style, yep, cool, Nest 3, whatever. But this, is, this is what I've tried to say to people in that video I did and on Twitter and whatnot, is that these remakes are moving further from the source material the more we go into them. So by the time we get to like the 4 remake, which obviously we haven't really talked about but has been rumoured since the last podcast, is any aspect of that game going to be recognisable or are we just going to carry on going down a new timeline that's... Oh god, it's going to be a fun one, isn't it? The cannon one. <laughs> I think the thing that we've just had in this call that kind of really gets the idea of where maybe this is going wrong is that he, you know, he described the opening bit. Once you get outside, it is, it's gamey. You know what I mean? It, there's, there's mm. no, there's, there's that sensibility of an actual world is gone for the point of replacing you down a funnel of events and yeah, it, these it, things that take place and it. What what people what what it does very well at disguising, uh, and if you know like how modern games are designed and whatnot, then it is literally just a corridor you're going down, albeit with enough bells and whistles to convince you you're actually moving through this this storyline. But in terms of pure gameplay, all you're doing is pushing forward. Yeah, yeah, it, and 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 again from a kind of story narrative, it it, it made very little sense. You know, with, with Jill, you then open up the window. She's like, oh, "What's going on?" It's like it's the twenty eighth of September, love. It's you know the the whole world the whole world around Raccoon City has completely crumbled even within their own game storyline. Yeah, it's great that you're focused on getting out of the city in three days, but maybe you should look out the window a day or two before those. <laughs> maybe you should leave now. <laughs> it it makes no sense. It make I mean, yeah. granted, granted, it it made a very little sense that she was still in the city on the twenty eighth uh, in the original. But as as George pointed out, she was but, waiting for her time and was investigating. Well, there was that, the other justification in the original story is that she's be directly being watched by the by the police, and she's worried that if she tries to sneak out, she'll be stopped because there's this whole thing with Chief Irons and being under investigation, all this sort of stuff that's there. And the idea, obviously, comes that it's reached a critical mass in what's going on in the city, so she sees this as the time to escape, even though it's not going to be safe. It's going to be easier than having to deal with the police. There's actually a choice, a conscious choice going on there in the narrative that doesn't exist in the remake. That's gone. Yeah, no. yeah we, we now question why she's been hanging around for days and going, oh, I'm just going to leave on the 30th, but uh, I guess... And now that, I've got a monster on me, and I'll go. And that is an inherent problem with the original timeline, and I think we said this in the last podcast, didn't we, that mm. it seems almost preposterous that like Leon and Claire haven't heard anything in the previous week about like Raccoon City falling. 
Um, but I would still take that original timeline, given the sort of rich storylines we got in Outbreak and, and, and the slower burn of the city, than just this, but, this but, truncated narrative that the remakes the, the offer. Fu- the funny thing is, though, that same problem applies still in the new version, because you have these news reports about riots and all this sort of stuff added to Resident Evil 3, and we clearly see what's happening you know, around the 27th and 28th, but yet when Leon and Claire and the trucker as well, the starting of Resident Evil 2, he's like listening to the radio and he's talking to some guy who's like talking about this woman who was clearly dead. So it's clearly someone who's in Raccoon or near Raccoon oh, yeah, talking about what's happened. Like and it's on the radio and this is on the 28th, but now there should be mass panic. So again, it doesn't really line up. And then again, Leon and Claire get into the city, pretty much no questions asked. Although, at this point, you're supposed to believe that there's so many dead people that there's nobody left to guard the place. It's a bit of a mess. It's um, And it, it doesn't quite flow as well. And again, if, throughout the game, though, you've got like the nurses' report still treating people on the 29th, despite all the carnage. Uh, Jill gets a pizza delivered on the 28th. There just seems to be there seems to be a perfect chance now when you're remaking it to like fix those problems and have things line up. Like, like isn't that the point of part of why you would remake something mm. that you can get things better that you didn't quite get right the first time and the stuff that was right you kind of double down on. Anyone who's playing Resident Evil 2, don't look for the construction tower. Just don't. It's literally yeah the the, the tower that exists in Resident Evil 3, when you look at the same year in Resident Evil 2, it doesn't exist. And I'm like, oh, look, it's the new Nemesis window. Like, it's not thought of. And I was like, hang on, wasn't 3's development time supposed to be like three years? How did no one think about this in the mm. scheme of things? Like, you had all this time, you know, about 18 months probably, to, to think about these two things together. And if you'd done it, it would have been a really awesome retroactive Easter egg because you go out Resident Evil 2 and you go, oh, look, there's the remains of a burnt-down building. I wonder what happened. But once you'd seen it in 3, if you went back there, you'd go, oh, my God, look, the building's there. It's on, It was burnt down. Like, holy crap, there's a remain, you know, structure, a part of a structure left, but it's not there, so... The other point uh, Tim makes is about the characters, and um, although I've championed uh, Jill very, very much, and I think Carlos's really do well, I, I, I do think the game lets down its support cast quite a lot, I will say that. Um, I think Mikhail's great in the, the sort of couple of the earlier moments, I think his death's a bit flat, uh, and he talks specifically about Nikolai, and I think Nikolai, when we first meet him, I was really quite impressed with how they'd handled the character, and I thought he was acted really well, I thought the voice acting was superb, which makes it all the more sad to me that by the end of the game, he's essentially just a pantomime villain with his own little secret that he can't tell anybody. It's like Whisker. It's like a it's like a mini Whisker. He's got a secret employer. He's doing things of his own volition that's causing deaths of other people. He's collecting test data. They've literally gone, right, we need to make him more like what Whisker was doing in the original game. They just don't do anything with him, do they? And I think it's almost like Capcom are so, so tunnel-visioned on keeping these remakes, wanting them to stand alone for themselves as their own game they, they almost seem too scared to, to to put in the pillars of the original like you know like the dead factory like this whole narrative with with the monitors with you know with tyrell and and nikolai because you know you when, i mean i've only had a couple of playthroughs but you don't even in this remake they don't actually specifically you know go into the point that you know what nikolai's doing and and, yeah. and, and that is that intrigue that, that's the irony just... with his character in this they take a perfectly self-contained character like nikolai and add a subplot that's going to rely on further storytelling to sort of develop. I, I, get, I get that as well, but the thing that gets me questioning is obviously we question whether or not he survives. Probably unlikely he would, because he's left on a helipad with no other way off, and the bomb's coming like within five minutes, so we assume that he's not going to survive. 
There's another helicopter yeah. though, isn't there, on there? Is there? Barry's coming to get him. To say that, it was mentioned, I, I think not having the Barry ending is fine. I think it would have still been nice to put a reference to Barry in there or have a bit at the start of the game where Jill had had a phone call and it was Barry or something, like, or an email from Barry or something, just to put that little reference back in there. I'm confused about the... He made the comment about the grenade launcher, and I get the cutscene thing. I get what he was saying. That makes sense. You don't have the grenade launcher, and then the grenade launcher... Someone's going to have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the grenade launcher and the shotgun will appear in the save room before the Nemesis fight if you don't pick them up. But I didn't pick up the shotgun and the grenade launcher on one of the run-throughs I did when I had the rocket launcher, and they just appeared sitting on the table... As if the game went, oh, you missed these, here they are. That must be really jarring if you didn't pick up the grenade launcher, because it is easy to miss, and then you get you get Jill wielding it in the cutscene must be really jarring, and the series usually avoids that. I mean, Resident Evil 5 avoids that by just having Chris and Sheva using the handguns in every cutscene. So it's interesting that they made that sort of decision to do that in this. Well, thank you, Ploppy, for your call-in. Uh, appreciate it. The next call-in comes in from James Kimball. What's up, guys? James here. I've been playing the RE3 remake and having a lot of fun. It's got a bit of an RE4 feel with lots of upgrades, lots of bigger and bigger bosses, and even some copycat enemies like Plaga and Regenerator type guys. But that's not a bad thing. Those things all have the Resident Evil feel, and I've been trying to think of what the Resident Evil feel is. I'm sure you guys will get into other things, the characters, the lore... But I'm not really an expert on being able to say, well, you know, September 27th, Kendo should have been wearing his green socks. I do have one thing, though, I want to put up for discussion about that Resident Evil feel, because sometimes in this remake, I had it. I thought this is just what I think of when I think of the Spencer Mansion or the RPD. And there were other times when I thought, this is not it at all. And to me, it boils down to one thing which is that it's one thing. When you're, when you're playing Resident Evil, no matter what you're doing, exploring, doing a puzzle, fighting an enemy, fighting a boss, it's all the same mode. It's the same control, same camera style, and it's all like the whole thing is one big puzzle that you can go back to different parts and rearrange, do a different order sometimes. I think of the room when you go in the, the residence to see Plant 42. It's just a room. You know, you can shoot him a couple of times and leave. You can fight him right there. You can go make the V-Jolt. You can go get supplies. But it's just a room, you know? It doesn't lock you in and say, well, now you're in a boss mode, and this room is not a room. It's an arena, and you have different controls and a different HUD on screen. If it did that, it wouldn't be the same. I think part of this is why people like Mr. X so much in the RE2 remake is that he shows up in normal gameplay. It's not even a cutscene when you first see him with the helicopter. He's just a guy in the hallway moving a helicopter and you're like, what the heck is this? If it was a cutscene, if it was a boss battle, if it changed modes, it would not be scary. So RE3 sometimes gets that right. Sometimes Nemesis shows up in normal gameplay and it's like, oh, you're playing Resident Evil and here's a monster and he might grab you with a tentacle. He might Spider-Man across the street and hang on a lamppost. And that's fun. I think some of the, some of the game's best parts are when you're fighting him in the street. And my only complaint about that is maybe he's a little too easy to hurt, but 
I can just turn up the difficulty. However, when you're fighting him and it's not normal gameplay, when it's a scripted cutscene, when it's a boss battle, eh, those are not special. Those are not scary. Those are just where you look at it and your brain goes, oh, you know, video games. And you just do video game things. But you're not constantly tense. You're not worried. To me, the Resident Evil feel... And the thing that this sometimes achieves and sometimes lacks is when you're walking down a hallway and you don't know, are you going to have a puzzle? Are you going to have one zombie? Are you going to have five zombies busting in the window? Are you going to have a boss? You can't tell because the game is all one mode. It doesn't say we're in stealth and we're in combat and we're in another thing. It just says, here you go. You're in a place. Figure it out. So I want to put that up for discussion, see what you guys think. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, James, for that call in. Uh, really interesting points I think he was making. I mean, he's going on a very uh, general term as well about what is a Resident Evil game, and he makes the, the, the specific point referencing Mr. X from Resident Evil 2 and Plant 42, really, that suddenly you're in a boss fight, but then you, you, know, you, you, you can change, you can leave, you can do things like that, and those moments make it quite special, but even in original games, there's always the boss battles. His main point with regards to Remake 3, however, Nemesis, bar the downtown area, is far too scripted. Uh, and it's too obvious that we're in a boss battle. And, and that doesn't happen that often in the original game, other than perhaps the clock tower battles and a couple in the Dead Factory. A lot of the times, he can just appear at any given point. Yes, if you play it enough times, you know when he's coming. But that first couple of playthroughs, you didn't know when he was coming or where he was coming from. And that didn't really happen in the remake, other than what's shown in the demo. Uh, that, part, that part is all quite random. You're getting busting through the walls. And he's right. I mean, I, I would agree with him. That's the best point of the remake, is that, that feeling that he's just going to come at you at any point. It's just a shame. Going forward, it becomes a bit too scripted. I think Nemesis is going to be one of the lasting contentious issues of this game, actually, considering he was, a, you know, certainly in Western releases, you know, the, the subtitle of the game. The fact that he's been left out of the title in Remake 3 um, speaks volumes about, like, how Capcom's approach to his character was in this. And in and, and some great points that, actually... There's a couple of moments in the original, like outside the police station, he's introduced with a cutscene. There's a moment when you're heading back to the uh, tram car and he's introduced coming from the direction of the tram car. At any point, they, they could have been like scripted boss fights, but the game keeps it very open. You don't even have to fight him outside the RPD if you don't want to. Whereas like when you're heading up to the construction tower roof in the remake 3, there is no doubt about you. You are heading toward a boss fight. Um, and in that, yeah, I think it's it's the telegraphing of Nemesis in this is not is not great. And in some ways, Capcom did themselves an injustice by choosing the part of the game they did for the demo. Yeah, it, and that's uh, that's the unfortunate thing. I think for people who play the demo, perhaps set up some unrealistic expectations, which obviously doesn't help when the people play the final game and go, oh. That bit I played in the demo is like the only bit of the game that's like that, and I've pretty much played most of it, or a big chunk of it anyway, in that demo, so I know what I'm doing, and you haven't changed it drastically, so... I mean, there's people out there who spent hours and hours and hours of that demo. And do you know what I realized in hindsight, which is really funny, is they spent more effort hiding those 20 statues in the demo than they did on making the game itself replayable. Like, the ones in the demo, there's like a three or four of them, you have to do certain things, like stare at the point your gun at the poster so one appears on the thing and 
uh, mix these two things together so another one appears here and do 25 perfect dodges so a door opens. None of that's in the final game. And I almost want to say, had they done that, there's some replayability right there, unfortunately. Like, or adding extra bonuses or other things to unlock, like extra skins. As, as far as the call in goes, I think it comes back to the same thing I keep saying all the time, and I'm going to keep saying it, and I sound like a freaking broken record, but it comes back to this whole thing about that feel of what the game is comes down to whatever you as a player expect it to be. So if you're a big fan of 4, 5, and 6, then you'll probably like action, and you probably enjoyed a lot of the action elements, and you might have liked the boss fights. If you like the old ones, you may not like it as much, and you like the puzzle stuff, and it's not really there, and so you're probably going to be disappointed. And if you like us and really like the lore and the storytelling, you're probably going to find ups and downs because there's some good bits and there's some really bad bits. So it's, it's a very uneven game. I think for everyone, I don't think it appeals to everyone. And then this goes back to where I was going with this, which is this broken river thing, which is like, what is this franchise? Where does it sit? What do people expect of it? You know, what is this game? Is it a is it an action title? Is it an online title? First person, third person, first person horror, first person shooter? Is it an online action title with a shooting element? It it's it is everything and nothing. It's very hard to define what that is. I do I do credit the series for being like a multi genre thing though now, and uh, I think it works to its 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 benefit. I think there's something for everybody now. The series is mutated into that many different things that there's something for everyone to enjoy. However. <laughs> I do think Remake 3 is tonally all over the place and it's so apparent it doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know whether it wants to keep that sort of survival horror base that, in in, in all honesty, Remake 2 did quite well. I think we'd all agree, the best sort of survival horror gameplay we've had in a long time. Yep. Um, Remake 3 is just, it's so tonally and gameplay-wise all over the place. It, it definitely suffers from an, an identity crisis, I think. I still want to hammer the idea that, yeah, it's great that this franchise can be a lot of different things, but... They still need to work out what their core game should be because it doesn't matter if it's first person or third person. I think people want horror. I think what reviews and general response they got from both Remake 2 and Resident Evil 7 was more that the horror elements were definitely played up. And I think that's the strength of the series. And I think that's what Capcom really needs to focus on, on the consistency. If that's the one area I would definitely say the franchise is, it is definitely that survival and horror that's where the name comes from and those should be the core pillars of the franchise anything else is is fine you can do do it in a first person mode you can do it in a third person you can make it a shooter as long as it still feels like those two elements are, are met they're ticked off I agree. George, any comments from James's calling? Well, listening to him reference the Resident Evil feel made me realise why this game just confused me because its lows are low, but you know some of the highs are much higher for me than the remake too. And there were definitely moments in the game that I felt it was more like a Resident Evil game than the remake of two. The points been made that it's just all over the place, and all that yeah, all the highlights for me were mainly we got to see in the demo, and that's where I really felt like it was a Resident Evil game. Well, thank you very much, James, for your call in. Really appreciate it. The next one comes in from Eric Dominguez. Hey guys, uh, my name's Eric. I'm from Minnesota. I effectively go as uh, Jedi Stud on my Twitter handle, but in the Resident Evil.net universe and the uh, Resident Evil Ambassador program, I am the Stars Dropout. A uh, big fan of, the, uh, of your guys' podcast. I've uh, been a huge um, fan of the Resident Evil series since the beginning, all the way up to about Resident Evil 6, where I uh, kind of fell out of it until the Resident Evil 2 remake. Um, love in Resident Evil 3 remake. It's, um, it's, it's challenging. It's fun. You know, compared to 2, it's 
hard to compare to to two remake. Want to get your guys' thoughts on the uh, the three remake as well as um, if you think that the the, the critics criticism criticism against the three make effectively is going to uh, hurt or hinder the 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 concept of a, a Code Veronica remake or uh, where do you think this goes with the Resident Evil? Um, universe. So we get, they're going to go straight to 8, be done with the remakes, uh, remake, uh, remake, um, Resident, so do remake Resident Evil 1 in the new RE engine. Let me, let me know what your guys' thoughts are. Love your podcast. Um, listen as often as I can. And yeah, yeah, so that's all I had. Jedi Stud, Resident Evil, Stars, Dropout. Signing off. See you guys. So thanks, Eric. There, a nice, short, sweet comment. And <laughs> well, where does Resident Evil go after Remake Three? Sales-wise, it's done quite well. I think it's sold two and a yeah. half million already. So it's yeah, done really well in a very short period of time. Since our last podcast, there has been rumours of Resident Evil Four getting the remake treatment, and Code Veronica seemingly missing out. I mean, I, I almost feel, feel I don't know, almost a sense of relief. If, if they do miss out on Code Veronica, because, you know, we look about the omission of the Dead Factory in 3, and when you think about, not of its time, just how of its location those those environments are in Code Veronica, I mean, if they were just to, to mess with anything in that narrative, it, it would just be so heartbreaking. That's the thing, George. I think that several areas of Code Veronica, that borderline contentious now, that I just think they'd play totally safe with. I mean, I, I think we're going to face a world now where you're not even going to get a Ramon Salazar in Resident Evil 4 remake. I think that character will be... Uh, cut completely. This, just like the stereotypes and whatnot that that Capcom want to seemingly avoid, and you know, characters like that were controversial enough, if you like, back in the day. And in today's uh, very PC world, I just don't see anything like that, or some of the Ashford storylines going untouched. No, that the the cross-dressing element of Alfred would almost be certainly be removed. But that's part <laughs> of his character, and it's his storyline. And you know, he is he has descended into madness at that point. And and I I, I just genuinely believe the remake won't go there. If Capcom were to do it, they need to own it, and they need to reinvent it with a modern era, but still be what it was. And I I, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to point at the Final Fantasy VII remake that's just come out. And obviously, there was a big lot of controversy about how they were going to deal with this whole cloud dressing as a woman and like there's some borderline homophobic stuff going on in the original version and i was talking to a few friends that have been playing through it and they're all like you know what it's actually really well handled like they've actually modernized this is still the concept's still the same but they've made sure that it's gender inclusive both male and female and they've tried to remove all the connotations but they've still made it fun and still kept the references in there and kept the same idea there they've just thought about how to properly presented in a modern era there's no reason why they can't do that with the ashford twins and with alfred like there's no reason why they couldn't do that they just need to think sensibly about how they present it and don't make the characters react as if it's like that's the weird part of him the weird part of him is that he's a fucking psychopath (laughs) keep that part down and the cross-dressing and the psychological damage that he suffered are their own thing and you'll be fine i could see them putting almost like a game of oblivion type thing into it if they were to do it because it's not really it's not a huge point in the original game but obviously in dark side chronicles it's quite a big set piece moment isn't it as you're going through the game i could see that becoming a big focal point almost like that kind of test arena and that will show that will kind of tick off a couple of boxes in terms of making it quite exciting but at the same time showing his psychopathic mastermind-esque tendency 
Nazis watching Claire struggle in a Game of Oblivion style situation. So, as far as we know, Code Veronica is not currently in development as a remake. Um, it, so it remains free of modern trappings for the time being. He asks, uh, you know, are we are we done with remakes? Well, Eric, let me tell you, I was done back in 2015 with remakes. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Um, it's interesting. He does make a good point, actually, which is something that I, I must give Remake 2 some credit for. He he was disillusioned with the games, he just said, uh, playing Resident Evil 6, and it was Remake 2 that brought him back in. And I can pretty much safely say he will not be the only person that, that feels like that. And I know even mm-hmm. like Resident Evil 7 is a controversial title for a lot of fans. And it was really Resident Evil 2 Remake that I know has brought a lot of people, and you know, both online and people I know in person. Um, Re- Remake 2 was a game that has brought quite a few people back. And speaking to a couple of these people that were really, really on with Remake 2 that I know, their feelings toward Remake 3 are less so. It seems like all, all the hard work that Capcom did is it, slowly been undone again. And the game's going to just run for a long time isn't it remake 3 uh, on its merits and it's the things it does wrong because whether i had my personal issues with remake 2 i can't deny its impact on the franchise and the fans it, it certainly gave a lot of people exactly what they wanted whereas i don't think this has yeah i'd say that's fair but again thank you eric for that call in that was really uh, really a different uh, point being raised so we appreciate that uh, the next call in comes in from nighthawk Hi guys, so this is Niall, or Nighthawk, from the Discord. I just thought I'd drop my thoughts on the Resident Evil 3 remake quickly. Um, Anyway, let's start with the positive. Um, I really like the soundtrack in this game. I thought the music sounds very good, and it's definitely an improvement over the Resident Evil 2 remake for sure. Um, A lot of the music adds to the sort of atmosphere at the beginning of the game early on. And uh, it adds to some of the boss fights as well. I especially really liked the end credits theme. Uh, the remix of the original song from the original R3 credits. I thought that's great. And every time the credits are rolling, I just let them play so I can hear that song play out. Really good. Uh, let's go from one positive to another and speak about the characters and start with Jill Valentine, um, our classic protagonist. I think in this game, Jill is amazing, to be honest. Um, I can't praise her enough. I love the way she looks. I love the characterization. I love the voice acting. And uh, yeah, I just think she comes across brilliant. I don't think they could have done a better job, even if it was Julia Voth's face on there. Um, I don't think it could have been better. And this this might be sacrilegious to a few people, but this is actually probably my definitive version of Jill now. I don't think she's ever had a better appearance um, in any of the any of the games that exist. Um, this is the definitive Jill for me. Uh, so the next character will be Carlos, who, when we first saw his design, before the game was out, obviously, I uh, I didn't like it, to be honest. He doesn't really look like Carlos at all, and I was worried that he would just be a completely different character. And whilst whilst in the actual game, he's very different. After about an hour or so of playing, I did start to warm around to Carlos a little bit. Um, I think there are hints of his previous character in there, just instead of cheesily saying, oh, the foxy ladies dig my accent, he's telling us uh, that a tall glass of water should be able to handle a few flames. And so it's kind of the same the same guy, but it's more of a more serious take on it, which I can appreciate. I think he's a well-realized character here. And so this is the first of, let's say, many, many negatives in the game. He's going to be the next character. I'm sure you've discussed it in detail, but it's Nikolai, um, who, in a word is awful in this game. I just hate it. It's just a dreadful depiction of Nicola, to be honest, in my opinion, of course. Um, I think they've gone full Brian Irons and just turned him into an unambiguous, evil comic book villain, uh, if I'm honest. I have seen people on the Discord attempt to defend his, his sort of appearance and characterization here, but I just the, the first time we see him, he walks up to his teammate and shoots him dead by shooting him in the fucking face. 
it, it's not there's no subtlety here guys it's all gone it's just um you know he's just a, it's just an evil murdering bad guy who likes money now isn't he of course which of course he, he always was you know a bad guy but there was a lot more to his character than him just being a comic book villain and i think a lot of that was lost here uh, the the rest of the UBCS I think were fine. Uh, they kind of came across okay. I liked having a bit more with uh, Tyrell in there, but there's not too much to say about them. Same with Kendo. He's only got the one one brief appearance, um, and obviously we know what ends up happening to him anyway. Yeah, the Nemesis, if that counts as a character, I, to be honest, a lot of people have passed this point, and it might just be me being you know grumpy or whatever. But I, I've still not got over the design. Um, I just I can't stand the Nemesis design with the nose and the. It just doesn't do it for me. Obviously, he doesn't kill any Stars members in this version of the game, so he's a bit useless. Um, he's much easier and less intimidating to fight than the old one was anyway. And I think, to be honest, as, as sort of horrible as it is to have to say, I think if you hadn't played the original RE3, and then you just played the remake, I think the Nemesis character would be a very forgettable enemy. It's sort of much more along the lines of um, the... Uh, the fucking Ustanak from Resident Evil 6 than it is from the Nemesis I remember popping up here and there with all the random elements of the original Resident Evil 3. I don't want to go on about it too much, but I was disappointed with Nemesis's depiction here. Regardless of the design, um, I just think he's, he's a little too easy. If I have one grenade on me and I throw it, he drops to the floor, plus he drops the... Uh, the weapon upgrade he's holding as well. I just think that's too easy because I'm playing hardcore mode at the moment and one grenade still drops him. And you, you could argue, well, don't use the grenades and it'll make it harder and it does. But the fact that that happens still has to be a negative point for me. I just think he's not, not an intimidating villain anymore, uh, in my opinion. That is me. Keep up the podcast on the Discord. You are doing excellent work. And uh, let's look to the future and hope that Resident Evil 8 doesn't have fucking werewolves in it. Take it easy, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Nighthawk, very much. Yeah, so a bit of a mixed bag there in terms of his feelings towards it. Um, and certainly don't apologise. I think a lot of people will agree with you that this is the definitive version of Jill. Yes, it's missing old Julia Voth, who, of course, is a bit of a fan favourite, and quite rightly so. But the depiction of her in this game by both uh, mocap and voice actor really is top-notch. my opinion, it's the best Jill we've, we've, we've ever had. And I think everyone was a bit unsure about Carlos, but I personally thought he was brilliant in this game. I just wanted to pick up on the thing, because a lot of fans have mentioned that this is their definitive Jill. I mean, she's clearly an improvement on the stoic representation, you know, the version that we got in Revelations. It's wonderful that Nicole Tompkins' portrayal is wonderful. But in, in terms of the definitive, I'd, I'd certainly put her up against Jill Valentine in Remake, because just thinking about in Remake, the exchanges that Jill has with Barry, um, with Whisker, with Chris, the characters around her, and how during that narrative, her relationship with those characters developed. I don't think that this game, the remake of 3, is a patch on that if you look at in terms of how the characters that surround Jill Valentine, you know, impact on her journey through that game. They don't do anything with these characters. They they, they look a lot better. And yeah, the, the production values are a lot higher in terms of de- the delivery of their lines and their scripts. But we see what do they actually do with Nikolai. You look at her relationship with Nikolai in the original compared to the, to this remake so in remake 3 she's she's the star character isn't she and and i think she's she's kind of the center of everyone's universe and as she should be it's her it's her it's her big moment i do think they do let the other characters down as a result 
Nicole's great work, and I, I think the voice acting across the whole is excellent, but I do think a lot of the other characters are let down. Like Nikolai in the original, the first time you meet Nikolai, he could even be seen as possible ally in the original, whereas, as Nighthawk just alluded to there, straight off the, the bat in this, he's a villain. There's, there's no doubt about it whatsoever, there's no mystery. Yeah, I do agree, George, I think um, many, of the char- many of the other characters are essentially just like window-dressed versions of their previous selves, and I think that's a, that's a real shame. He also mentioned his views on Nemesis and the, and the like the design should I say and the the kind of characterization of him and we, we've mentioned it a bit already I totally agree with him um, in that he's too easy to take down now I mean everyone who's on our discord or, or follows me on Twitter knows I'm struggling like hell with the remake 2 and 3 I don't know what it is but my brain can't get into gear with these two games and I, I really struggle I find them very hard but in the original games I like to think I'm, I'm pretty good at them and I can even I've even got the dodge mechanic down in the original version of Resident Evil 3 thanks to some good tuition from uh, from Kendo and even with all that I still find Nemesis intimidating as hell in the original like there's still moments where I think oh, oh god he's here I've got I've got to be careful with what I'm doing now whereas as he alluded to a grenade a couple a few shotgun shells Nemesis is a walkover in this outside of his boss encounters yeah, there's always a point I've raised in previous podcasts about how they could balance the uh, the Mr X gameplay because he was formidable versus nemesis who should be more powerful and i i i th- I, th- I think he was fair it's because the the areas that you fight in are so vast you, you've got places to run which is fine but it doesn't carry on i wish once you get to like the subway then it stops and that kind of thing you almost want him to carry on fighting you it seems a bit too easy to plan your route whereas mr x i felt was always difficult to plan your route knowing because you've got a, like a liquor there and a, you know you've left some like three zombies in the liquor in the library room you know something like that i think nemesis the, the area is so compact in terms of the overall size where he's going to chase you all, all the extra routes they give you like through the the safe room where uh, you know the green safe room it's, it's pointless all you've got to do is just That's... run up run up the stairs and get out of there we've all talked about before about how the liquors are actually quite easy to avoid in resident evil 2 you just basically have to walk and not walk near them and, and they won't activate in combat or anything like that. But you add, you add the tyrant to that and the tyrant forces you to rush through certain areas and all you've got to do is forget that you've left a, a, a liquor alive in a certain area and that run can go horribly wrong very, very quickly. Whereas the nemesis, in the area you fight it in, you've got like parasite zombies and that's it. Other than that, it's just the normal zombies. Imagine if they'd put like the nemesis attacking you through the uh, through the substation when you've yeah. got the drained demoses around and suddenly you've got an entirely new level of that encounter or if they give you a late section with the with the pale heads running around and they don't do that and that really is like a lack of ambition on Capcom's part I feel to to not just give you interesting nemesis encounters but give you interesting encounters with other enemies around as well we're almost teased of that weren't we in the demo that that was kind of the game going to be getting with just listening to nick just now talking about nemesis in the original three just really brought it home in the original just how much his appearance and and and, and the way that nemesis was structured and affected your entire gameplay across the expanse of that game from start to end and then you compare that to to the remake and it's almost like just a, a throwaway you know side issue isn't it just in terms of the scripted battles yeah like you say maybe lack of ambition you don't know but it's extraordinary just how significant how much he affects your game in the original as compared to this remake interesting points thank you very much uh, Nighthawk really uh, good points to raise there the next call in comes from Yoke hello everyone Yoke here let's talk about the Resident Evil 3 remake or reimagining I don't care anymore does anyone care anymore really anyway I really enjoy Resident Evil 3 remake I absolutely do. I think it is a better remake than Resident Evil 2. 
Anyone who does not share that same opinion is just factually wrong. I am looking at you, Star's Tyrant. <laughs> With love. Uh, yeah, it's a great game. Buy it, you'll have a blast. I'm not going to give it a rating just because I don't want to, you know, give it the same rating as another game and get hate, because fuck that shit, I don't want to deal with it. Also, it kind of feels kind of arbitrary with how many games are in the series. You know, it's it's really odd to me. Anyway, go in more detail about the game. From a gameplay's perspective, I was very uh, skittish on the dodging, but I think it works really well in this game, and a lot more simpler than the dodging in Resident Evil 3. Getting a headshot off when you do a dodge is very satisfying. Uh, I am glad the zombies are less bullet spongy than the Resident Evil 2 remake. Uh, I am disappointed a lot of the gore has been turned down. You can still blow off arms, but it takes a little bit more to do so. Uh, enemy designs are all over the board. Uh, Hunter Gammas look like chickens. Hunter Betas look like they should be more like Hunter Alpha redesigns. They look nothing like how they should. Uh, even though I like how N Nemesis looks, as for a remake of the original Nemesis, I think it's horrible. Uh, him being wrapped in a trash bag makes no sense to me. I've taken up the name Oscar for him, just because it looks like he lives in a trash can. I kind of imagined him being dropped into the city in a trash can. <laughs> uh, the only enemy that I think is well-designed is the Drain Demos. I think that is just absolutely brilliant. Uh, for human characters, I think they're all fucking well done. Uh, the extended moments with Tyrell and Carlos are brilliant. I think them going into the RPD is fucking amazing, and seeing the, the connections between those two games are really well done. Which uh, makes me sad, because I think Resident Evil, the remake should have been more like that for 2 and 3, where it should be more references to the other series to bring it all together. But now it's all fucked canon-wise, in my opinion. The soundtrack is also absolutely lovely. Hearing the original music again is great. Uh, they took a lot of that negative feedback from Resident Evil 2 Remake to heart, which is great. And it's also great the original soundtrack's already in the game. Uh, Neptune would probably not have bought it otherwise. <laughs> With love again. From a story's perspective, I think after Nemesis turns into a second form is when it falls apart. Uh, I do have issues with Dario not being revisited. It seems kind of weird that he's just there. Everything beyond, though, the second form nemesis just turns into like weird fantasy land. It's it's really odd. Uh, I do like the hospital design. I am sad the clock tower does not actually play a bigger part, which you miss out on a couple of great uh, files from the original game, especially the uh, UBCS soldier holding one of the dead survivors, which is very sad. The two files I have the most issues with are the new railgun one and also the Nikolai one. Uh, for the Nikolai one, it's kind of weird that he is betraying Umbrella and possibly working for Wesker, or possibly working for this new company that's in Resident Evil 8, who the fuck runs it. And now the piece de resistance for the bullshit uh, files is, the, to me, the railgun file. They call it Finger. Why couldn't they just say Parcelous Sword? What was wrong with that? Like, I've made so many jokes in my streams about Jill giving, you know, Nemesis, Nemesis the finger. Jill stuck her finger down his throat, or in his mouth. It's really weird. Why do you have to do this? Why do you have to make it easy for me, Capcom? Just stop it. Oh, man. All the other files beforehand have been, like, pretty good compared to Resident Evil 2 Remake, which was just, hey, here's how you complete this puzzle. Uh, the ending, I don't care much for. They seem to have killed Nikolai off, but they didn't. It got pointed out to me in one of the, like, the quick shots. You can see a helicopter behind the one Jill and Carlos gets into. So he could still be alive. 
it's fucking really weird. I, I don't, I really don't get it. I don't understand it. And uh, since we're being negative, one thing that uh, I've been noticing watching other people's streams is people are missing out on dialogue options, which is really sad to me. Uh, the main one is when you're using Bard's uh, voice recording to get into his room. People are just completely ignoring the rest of the recording and going right into the door as soon as it um, unlocks. And that cuts off the rest of the tape, which is really weird to me. Uh, same thing for like my first time playing. I missed out the stars, I'll give you stars line when the ch Nemesis chases you through that small storage room. Like, it's really weird, like, some of these, like, insane stuff you miss. Uh, thank you, thank you, Yo. My one-man protest against the DLC for the Resident Evil 2 original soundtrack proved successful, I like to think, uh, because we were treated with a much better soundtrack in Resident Evil 3 Remake. So, yes, I'll take full credit. Thank you very much. Uh, Stars, uh, surely over to you for uh, some of his uh, Yoke's comments there. The thing is, I don't necessarily disagree with him. No, it's not as good a remake, but it's a more fun experience. And it's a game I'll re revisit more. He brings up the music, which I meant to say with Nighthawk's previous call as well. The music is across the board exceptional, and I do really, really love the new rendition of the credits theme. Other than that, yo, you know, as much as we, the, the two of us joke that we are on different spectrums sometimes, he echoes a lot of my feelings toward this. I certainly don't enjoy it as much as he did, but all the stuff he says about the railgun, and I was really hoping the railgun wasn't going to come up tonight because I just I honestly test every aspect about the railgun in the remake from its name to everything but he talks about like the optional dialogue and a lot of it's really fun there's some really good stuff with Carlos in the RPD that's a weird fucking door is a genuine laugh out loud line the eight stars I'll give you stars moment is is tragic in the place it is putting in the game because you, you do easily miss it if Nemesis hits you other than that yo we're on a better wavelength than you think my friend <laughs> Rob I mean, everyone's going to enjoy things about this for the same reasons. I think a lot of the things he didn't like, I didn't like either, but then I didn't like other bits of it. So if he can at least accept that some people obviously also don't like other bits he doesn't like, then clearly <laughs> some of the bits that I, that I don't like that he does, it, he should just accept that there's a difference of opinion and be fine. I mean, I, I think other than that, I can't really say anything more. I haven't already said in the last episode about the game in general. Like, there's nothing really specific in there that I wanted to touch on, but they're all valid points. He makes some good points. I know I'm, I, I sound like I make it sound like I'm just like not even paying attention to him. I'm on, I'm on his page for Drain Demo, so I think they are a perfect example of how to reimagining something. I like the fact they brought something new to the table, new within the game. I know Batman commented on the last time that as soon as you left the power station you, you knew you weren't going to come across them again which is sadly true but I, I, I just thought they were great I thought they were spider-like they did this new parasite infection type thing a new gameplay mechanic they distinguished themselves from the liquor, which I, I always felt they were kind of like hiding behind in the past. I would have liked to have seen them be used more in the game and perhaps show the city being infected and infested by them, perhaps because um, of the, the time in which it passes. We could have had them uh, later in the in the game towards the end as well. But I think they, they, they did a good job in standing uh, aside from the liquor, which I always felt they're slightly in their shadow. I think it's a fair call, but I, I kind of go back to what you guys were talking about earlier, which is that, yeah, you could have Nemesis in there and chasing around. Like, imagine if it was like you did the four switches, right? And you'd go in there once and then Jill returns back to, to do the main switch and then something shorts it out and she goes, ah, oh, crap, you know, like you don't know what's happened, but clearly one of the switches has re-triggered. And of course the game makes, they make it the furthest one away. So you have to go back all the way through to the back and that's when like Nemesis comes bowling in. Making use of those enemies and the environments they've got adds some 
extra elements of puzzles and action and stuff like that. And we talked about this at length, and Yoke mentioned it just then, didn't he? But the Hunter's designs really are like a, a departure, aren't they? The Gammas... Awful. <laughs> the, the Gammas were so different that obviously when we first saw those leaked pictures that came out, everyone's like, is that the Grave Digger or is, it the, is that a Hunter? Like people questioned it for legitimate reasons so obviously the mouth opens up and so like if you've gone that far to the point where like people are like which enemy is it for a little while um clearly yeah you've you've strayed quite far i do hear what he says about the hunter beta is more of a redesign that you would expect for the elf you only get like the beta elements like the tumors and stuff the more you actually damage it and things like that the gun evasion is a beta thing as well that, that, that ability to evade bullets that is a beta thing. That was one of the improvements they wanted to do in remake in, in the original three was to make it more bullet averse. That's a good improvement then, yeah, mm. definitely. Thank you, Yoke, for that call in. Always insightful as as always. Our next one comes in from Lou. Uh, hey guys, it's uh, Lou here. I think the last time I called was for the RE2 remake, and while I really, really did love and still do love the RE2 remake, I'm able to look at it and admit to its faults and its flaws, and, but I still think it was a fun game that both could easily bring in new fans and also was a fresh new perspective for old fans like myself. I was really excited about the RE3 remake, and then it came out, and I feel like that Capcom, or at least the dev team on this, learned either the wrong lessons from the remake of 2, learned the wrong lessons on what to fix from the old version of 3, or a little bit of both. It's not that this game isn't fun, no, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it's actually quite fun to pick up and play, and it's a lot of fun to look at. It's beautiful. There's a great soundtrack again for the first time in forever. But it's also, as people have been saying, it is very hollow. There's a predictability to it. When your game's intro segment is a mishmash of ideas of previous games, <clears throat> combined with a very hands-off feeling to it. The same kind of feeling I got from RE6. I just was going, oh no. And that's not to say that I, I hate it, because when you do get your chance to just get in there and explore the city, or what little you can of it, it's beautiful, and you're on the edge of your seat with all these new concepts, like new types of zombies with the any alpha zombies, or bringing back the creepy pale heads from Ghost Survivors. All that's fun and cool. The new redesigns and the challenge of stuff like the new Hunter Gammas and Betas, that's fun. Nemesis is scary again, but there's always a caveat to all this. Whether it's that those new monsters and new enemies show up barely at all in the game, or the fact that, you know, you're finding yourself typically overloaded on health and items to the point that the action horror is still there, but it's predictable and you know where everything's going to be because there is no randomization anymore. Or the fact that you're not going to get a different experience each time because they've streamlined it for a quote-unquote canon to this, which in turn leaves the game feeling kind of lifeless. Or how most of Nemesis' stuff is front-loaded and what's there left at the end of the game is mixed to say the least. The story, I would actually argue, I prefer in some ways to the classic RE3 story because there's more to it. Jill has even more of a personality now, and I think she's actually terrifically portrayed, even if the writing's a little bit clunky with uh, being a little more foul than I think it needs to be, for, yeah, but, you know, I'm kind of used to that as of, like, seven. And I think that Carlos stole the show with actually having a character arc now and being a fun character at that. Seeing stuff like Mikhail and, of all characters, Tyrell Patrick being in there and getting more of a chance to shine was really nice. And same goes for the fact that, you know, we had a new subplot with Dr. Bard. I thought that was all really neat and to really connect and tie everything in, especially to the RE2 remake, which the RPD section in this did wonderfully. And it's just so much fun to play these games actually back to back. 
But then there's things that it goofs up, like how Nikolai has basically become Russian snidely whiplash now, turning into an Ada-style villain for no reason, with no real clear motivations, other than to be laughably evil for an organization or a party that we will never know about, because it's clear that this game is never going to be followed up on. Things like the Nemesis scenes, yeah, they're there, they're still tense, but somehow he's become less intimidating than the Tyrant in RE2, in a weird reverse of how it went with the original games. And again, it's not that I think that this game is bad, but also the fact that you can skip every five minutes of it, quite literally. And that's a big red flag for me. I feel like this was really rushed in development. And what they came out with is a competent game, a very fun game, one that I enjoy playing, and one that I will still play, just like I will the classic RE3, and like I said with the RE2 remake, they're both there, but it just doesn't feel as inspired. Especially when it comes down to things like, oh joy, Nest 2, everybody! No, I gave Nest more slack in RE2's remake, but, you know, it was flawed, and, uh, in this, having a second Nest down in the hospital, and we lost such iconic things as the clock tower, that rose me the wrong way. I feel like this wasn't something that could have been easily cranked out as DLC, mind you, and I know some people have said, oh, it should have been that. No, it's in a weird limbo. It has enough meat on it to be its own game, and to be a really fun companion piece to play after you play the RE2 remake. But it also certainly is not a $60 game. It's, it's just kind of in between, and I feel like in the long run, I hope Capcom learns their lessons positively from this. Because it felt like this weird amalgam of what was good in recent RE games with a lot of the issues of, like, 6 in terms of scriptedness and 5 in terms of brevity but without the co-op. Anyways, I uh, look forward to hearing what you think. I hope you all either enjoyed the game or enjoyed it as best you could. Thank you again for keeping the podcast going. Stay safe out there, I just want to say, especially with everything right now. I look forward to hearing what you all have to say. So, thank you again. Love you all. Take care. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Lou, for that. Very, you know, similar comments everyone's saying about Nikolai, in particular. A lot of people are not happy with his moustache twirling change, should we say. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I throw out an idea? I had a good chuckle with that. It was a great, great point. I want to throw something out there. What if, and I'm going to put this really delicately, what if when they remade Resident Evil 4, they retroactively put Nikolai in there somewhere? Then the cannon's broken forever. And there will, exactly. be, there will be two splits then. It can't, it can't. Yeah. There'll be the prime and there'll be whatever the new thing is. As was specifically said, it may still be Krauser in there, but Nikolai's somewhere involved in Wesker and Ada's situation, if it ends up being the same employer. Because, yeah, leaving this dangling thread in this implies that they would want to wrap it up in something else in the future. The only way you could do that is to bring him back into the series somehow. And there's only two ways to do that. A new game... Or if they are making another remake, add him to that remake, which is always a possibility. And oh, that scares the bejesus out of me, to be honest. <laughs> in some ways, though, Rob, I'd almost welcome that because I think in, in many ways that would make it easier. Because then you could just say you've got Resident Evil Zero, Resident Evil Remake, and then there's a split. And if you like the original timeline, as we all do, then you go this way. And if you like the remake timeline, then you go that way. The one thing that, that, that makes that interesting as a prospect to me, sure, you could have your branching, like I'm with you, like you post-remake one, your branching story is OG2, 3, Code Veronica, 4, say, as, as it seems to be going, and then the new one is uh, remake 
two, three, Code Veronica, because you just say it's the same thing, and then Remake 4. But then it also gives you this opportunity in this new Remake-averse, for lack of a better term, that Umbrella's downfalls handle differently, and you make a new game that does that for you. Yeah, I've seen a few people say that Resident Evil 4 could be tailored and worked to be the end of the remake saga. Yeah. That they will basically redesign the game with a lot of the 3.5 elements, and then they'll come out with some sort of press release and say, this is an alternate version of Resident Evil 4, it's a different canon, not necessarily non-canon, a different canon, and this will give you the umbrella ending you always wanted originally. But know that the remake storyline ends here. You know, if they include some of those 3.5 elements, then all all will be forgiven. <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few days, and I'd rather take 4 now and keep the canon stable. I was going to say, there was a, a comment there to do with this whole, is it a worthy game for the length and all the content for whatever price you pay, full price for your games, wherever you're listening to this, over a DLC. And yeah, it's probably a little bit between the two. It's not enough for a full game, and it's probably too much for just a simple DLC addition to Resident Evil 2. It's pretty clear they pushed this out to be as close to a year after Resident Evil 2 as possible. If we want to put it in perspective, just to remind people, when Resident Evil 3 originally came out, it was not a year after Resident Evil 2. It was more than 18 months in the States, and it was almost about 18 months in Japan. And budgets and time spent to make bigger games takes more people, more time, more money than it used to. That's just the simple truth. I think, realistically, what really should have happened here is Capcom should have gone, right, this is not a finished product. We need to put more content in this to make it longer. But I honestly think that releasing it this year in April was a silly move and they probably should have waited another year. But the problem is Capcom clearly wanted to get this out in the life cycle of this generation before the new consoles started coming out because if they waited another year it would have to be a cross-platform title developed for new platforms or whatever it is and I think that's a missed opportunity here. There was a comment about story and then it was talking about characters. I think I really want to say story is not personality. I think that, that we all agree that some of the characterizations in this are some of the best for some of those characters, but it doesn't make it a better story. Just because you fill out a character more does not improve a story quotient. It just makes that character more realistic, more believable, more understandable. Mm. Tyrell's that. I would say he's, he's, he's a better fleshed out character and it's nice he gets more screen time, but ironically he's less interesting to me by not being a monitor and things like that he's a supporting character who helps the main characters very well and he serves his role as his role is written and it fleshes out his role as a person to support that but it doesn't make the story better for it no i I think that's a good way of putting it yeah and this is not to just not to disagree in general because there are definitely story improvements i definitely think if remake 3 came out and it was pretty much the exact same game as the original, and that added Dr. Bard, none of us would have batted an eyelid, would have gone like, yeah, that's a cool addition. That makes complete sense. Let's just add that in there. If it fit within the existing canon, right? Like, not where they didn't change it. They just had Dr. Bard as a character, and he had dealings with Umbrella, and there was the research how Jill gets the, the thing for the virus. That's all dealt with through that. We would probably not bat an eyelid if it was an extra character that kind of involved in the story in the hospital. But the thing is here, we're looking at changes that go outside of that. He's clearly got more positions of power within the, the, the brass umbrella. So it's, it's like we wouldn't question if he had some pulling with both the mayor and with Chief Irons. Like, you wouldn't question that because you'd go, well, that makes sense because there's a bunch of corrupt people in Raccoon City, clearly. 
So it's just about how those things are framed. So many of these criticisms, just the failings, come down to being rushed. You're just looking at the the fact that Tyrell didn't get the the monitor backstory, and that kind of goes hand in hand with Nikolai just kind of feeling one dimensional. You know, just if if Capcom had afforded themselves more time, they could have got the story right. You know, they could have injected this story into the game. We're expecting them to do the balance of trying to make sure that all this previous lore can be balanced out as well and sensibly and characters can be used. And, and obviously nobody cares. I know it sounds really blunt and brutally honest to say that, but like nobody cares to that extent. We care to that extent, but nobody working on the games now really cares about that sort of stuff, it seems. And, and that's just what we may have to accept. Maybe, maybe. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Lou, for that call-in. It's uh, it really interesting as well. Uh, our next call-in comes in from our recent winner of our Biohazard 7 giveaway competition. He uh, has made the effort to call in. It's from Mikey Mount. All right, guys. I'll bring in and give my opinions on the Resi 3 remake. I'll try and keep it brief. I've got some notes to sort of go off on a tangent. But basically, I just found it disappointing to be honest. I don't know why Capcom decided to remove or change so many classic moments from the original game, such as the original Nemesis encounter was well built up through Brad. We saw how shaken and distressed he was, and then the way Nemesis just brutally kills him established how much of a threat he was to Jill. Some tension and a bit of mystery as to what was happening, what was going on, and then all that goes out the window in the remake because Capcom decides to just have him smash through the wall when he's literally the first encounter, and I just don't think it has any impact at all compared to the original. And Brad sort of heroically saving Jill by holding back the zombies so she can escape. It's completely against his character. It may as well not be Brad. That's not what he's about. And the gameplay for the opening sections I'm not a fan of. Just sort of holding a button to move down a corridor. There's, there's no sort of interactivity for, for me in that. You know, there's no skill. You're not using your ability to move freely to dodge Nemesis. You are just holding a button or pressing a button when you're in the car to start the engine and run into him. It's just like, it's, it feels like it's going back to how 6 was with all the, um, the QTEs and it takes away the actual feeling of playing the game for me. The part of the game that was on the demo where you go get the fire hose and everything, I, still, I think that's the best part of the game to be honest. It's, you know, it's a little pub area, got to run around the plant that you can spam bolt properly, you've got a reason to, you know, backtrack a little bit to pick up the items. That's what I was hoping the full game would be like, but it seems like a very small portion of the game is actually like the original Fezzi 3, you know? I think the game severely lacks from those kind of sections where you can run around, do some backtracking, find items, do some exploration, and have the threat of Nemesis around, because you don't know when he's going to pop up in the original, and then in this one it's he's there for that short section, and then mostly after that it's all just scripted on rail stuff, where, you know, you're basically running in a straight line away from him. The section in the power station with the drain being lost, uh, it just, I don't know, it didn't feel fully fleshed out really, it seems a bit of an afterthought. It seems like they could have done a hell of a lot more with it rather than just running to generators and flipping them and then getting the hell out of there. I mean, such a wasted enemy. I don't know why they bothered to be honest, because that section you can do in about two minutes and then you never see them again, you get no explanation for the hive, nothing. Sewers just seem like padding as well to try and fill out the one time. The Hunter Gammas are just, they're not fun to fight, are they? They just open the mouth and you put a couple of shotgun rounds into one, they back up and you repeat. There's not really any skill involved in it. There's no, it's not horror, it's not scary. They just walk towards you and you shoot them and you can't run past them. So it's, it's just like a, here's an enemy, kill it, are you having fun? <laughs> 
I'm not so keen on Carlos being the one who goes to the RPD, but I can see why they did it, trying to fit in the whole story of the Doctor, so his name escapes me. And then you see Carlos blood on the wall in the shower, and that explains that in the 2 remake. But if you go to the top floor of that stairwell, where the massive hole is in second remake, and everybody was saying that's what, obviously where Nemesis is going to break through and chase Jill, but the wall's just patched up. There's no explanation for how it falls, how it blows apart, and it just seems like a massive missed opportunity to have that kind of moment. And then obviously because Jill's not in the RPD, we don't get the, the iconic bit with Nemesis coming through the window of the rocket launcher, which is a big shame because that would have looked really good in, you know, in modern graphics and I think it could have been really effective. But with Carlos, it's it's just not. It seems just like lazy padding. I know the original, you know, you could say the same thing with the, the RPD being padding or, you know, reusing assets, whatever. But with Carlos, it just seems like you go there to find out the Doctor's not there and that's it. It just throws a few zombies in the at you just because... It feels like it has something to make up for. Nemesis's second form, wanting takes, again, not a fan. They've gone for more of a sort of bestial animal-like, relentless enemy, and I always thought Nemesis comes across best when he's this, you know, sort of intimidating, calculating figure that's not going to stop, like, sort of like the Terminator, but on steroids. And then, obviously, once he starts to mutate, you see the, the limiter coat come off and the tentacles. I thought that was a much more grounded version of the second form, and it still fit the character. It still allowed him to, you know, use the rocket launcher and stuff like that. So I, I'm, I'm not sure what they were going for, to be honest. I mean, they tried to make it more of sort of a set-piece fight, and for me, I it just didn't work, that fight. It's a whole lot of you dodge, you shoot him, you dodge, you shoot him, and then he runs along the wall and follow him and shoot him again. Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Mikey, for that. Yeah, really insightful call, I think, as well. I think one of his main focal points is, again, it's his scripted nature and how he didn't feel like the, the nemesis didn't really live up to the expectation. We've really talked about it a bit, but, you know, he, he points out there's lots of moments where to get away from the nemesis, you just got to press a button or run. I'm reminded of the moment in Nest when you're kind of crawling up against his tentacles. You don't really know what's going on behind you. All you can see is a tentacle attached to your leg. I think it worked okay for the Jill apartment explosion bit. And if that had been the only point, I think it would have gone down really well. But the fact that it happens so often throughout the game, I think really lends itself as a disservice to how cool Nemesis is and should be. And I totally agree with him. The second Nemesis mutation is awful. He touches on, again, another good point, and it's great hearing everybody love the amount of callings we've had for this one, because like your perspectives and your opinions really do allow us to, to look at things, to think outside of our little box sometimes, and uh, Mikey's just mentioned the second form of the Nemesis in a different way to how I, I would have thought. I just didn't like it from a design point of view, but he's talked about it from the point of view of it not having the identity of Nemesis anymore, and I actually... Like, it's like, wow, that's like a light bulb's just gone off in my head. Yeah, it's so obvious when you actually listen to someone yeah. say that. You go, shit, that's actually a really astute observation so, that I've so, never thought of. Yeah, so when you get, um, obviously, the clock tower battle in the original version of Resident Evil 3, when Nemesis comes back and his limiter cone is burned and his tentacles are now emitting from him, he's still Nemesis. He's still recognisable as Nemesis. He still maintains the personality and the determination of the Nemesis. This remains all the way through to the end game where even in the treatment plant, the acid room, he's still the nemesis. He still he still says stars. He still has one focus, determined mission, which is to erase Jill Valentine. And he still looks like nemesis. It's only after he's, he loses his head and the parasite takes over that he, he 
assumes this completely different guise, and that works really well for the final fight. After the Clock Tower battle in the remake, do you guys really class him as the nemesis anymore? Because to me, I just see him as a, an, an alternate version of Birkin G4. He's certainly not the nemesis. His goal might be the same in that he's, he's still pursuing Jill, but certainly by the time you've got the Railgun fight, he is nothing that resembles the original design of what the nemesis was, and I think that's extra more the failing of this game and thank you very much for Mikey to uh, for highlighting that to me because I'd not really c- considered it in that kind of perspective before. That goes back to what you guys were saying in the last episode which is that it comes down to the very specific point of what this remake is over what it is in detail you know like this happened this happened this happened this happened you know that very specific so in this case it's just literally like nemesis pursues jill throughout the game it doesn't matter what nemesis looks like apparently or how he responds it's just because it's nemesis pursuing jill and that's all that mattered and so they created set piece gameplay around them it's, it's so funny because i keep thinking about that clock tower fight above all of them aside from the ridiculousness of which i mentioned last episode of how nemesis appears at the start of that part it loses any weight that the original had I just loved that sequence getting to the clock tower exploring the clock tower you know realising that Jill needs to signal the helicopter like getting the helicopter signal then Nemesis shoots it down and then you have this battle in the courtyard it's like a build up to a climax that ends up with her being infected and kind of limping off defeating Nemesis but still being injured and then Carlos comes and finds her and it kind of worked this version it's got the end alright like I get that but the execution sloppy there's no momentum to it I run across a bridge after Jill taunts the Nemesis because he can't swim yeah it loses all that impact I think it's not even just the, the design of the Nemesis that's definitely part of it but even the whole way it's presented and I think you said it in the last podcast, Rob, it was a perfectly serviceable boss fight, introduced lots of different elements, challenging, using the mine rounds and all, all sorts. It's just that we're nitpicking because you've got to compare it to what it is effectively replacing. The entire it, clock tower section, you know, it's yeah, not just the yeah. boss fight that you were replacing. You're you're taking away the entire clock tower section to replace it with one little run around a courtyard, which... If that was the fight, I would have, if I still had the clock tower and then I ended up having that fight afterwards, yeah, sure, I'd be disappointed it's not Nemesis in the form I recognise, but I'd at least been like, cool, I had the clock tower, and I expected a boss fight now, so that's cool, and I would have accepted it, but it's that extra element of anticlimactic, and then, as has been so astutely pointed out, the Nemesis is no longer really Nemesis-like anymore, and, and that changes that dynamic. Well, thank you, Mikey. That was uh, really, really, really great. And thank you very much for the call. And enjoy your prize as well. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the next call-in comes in from Mark Clapham. Hi, guys. It's uh, Mark here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm a massive fan of the original. It's, it's the one of the Resident Evil games I've played through the most times. It's one of the few that I can play through on the hardest difficulty, although my tank control skills have withered in recent years. So uh, since blasting through all the epilogues on the um, GameCube port, I don't think I'd be able to do that again. But I was very excited for this remake, so I thought I'd share my views. I've played through once in standard mode, and I've played through the last couple of resi games in um, easy so that was quite a pleasant surprise i could get through it in standard and i've just started to play through in assisted mode a sort of quick blast through to see it all again and i have mixed feelings as you might expect when the game is great is good it's really great and very faithful to the original and really expands and deepens some areas of the game particularly the downtown area and the hospital but it also misses huge areas of the original game like the clock tower and the park 
or it uh, cuts them right down like Jack's Bar where you just run through as part of a um, cutscene. You'll no doubt have discussed has cut out a lot of the puzzles to really really concentrate on the action. There are hardly any puzzles especially compared to the Resi 2 remake last year which really focused on that and I was thinking about how they've done this remake and I think what they've done is they've really concentrated on the areas that made Resident Evil 3 distinct. Resident Evil 3 is well known as being the most action-oriented of the PlayStation 1 originals and they've really focused, they've really laser focused on that at the expense of the slower and more atmospheric areas and they've really um, concentrated on the bits of Resident Evil 3 that were not like the other games. So they've, you know, really expanded the hospital which is quite a unique and distinct location that you don't spend nearly enough time in in the original Resident Evil 3 and you really spend quite a lot of time in it in this remake and as much as I miss the clock tower it is sort of just a mini mansion and so regrettably I can I can I can see why they've sort of cut that back especially after having a remake 2 that really leaned into that sort of slow exploration so yeah the things which are sort of memorable and distinct about Resident Evil 3 they've really really whacked up to 11 I'd never really thought about how much it is like a Terminator film until they this version basically fiddled with the music to give it that dang 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 dang, dang Terminator sound and obviously the boss battles have been turned into these insane set pieces and even even the end credits music with its uh, ridiculous guitar solos those guitar solos are even more fret wanky and indulgent than before the things about Resident Evil 3 were unique they've really really tuned them up very hard and I think that's an interesting way to take the game in the same way that Resident Evil 2 Remake really focused on it so closely on the RPD and devoted most of the game to it uh, because that's the part that people remember about Resident Evil 2 is the RPD so they really focused on it on here it's the action. Some of the changes they've made are, are pretty clever I think. I think sending Carlos to the RPD that really sort of wrong-footed me in a, a nice way um, and I also like how they've moved some bits of the game around so you get these occasional touches to the original that are not where you expect them like the bridge that the bridge to the dead factory um, is instead it's uh, just before the clock tower you cross the bridge the helicopter crashing is not at the clock tower it's at the very start of the game and they've done loads of these things where you and, and oh yeah of course the um the clock outside city hall um has been um changed into this um item dispenser in the subway station it's quite a surprising and clever way to do a remake so while i have mixed feelings and i do miss the slow atmospheric bits i can see what they've done and it is uh, it is interesting and on just one final note when we got to the fight when i got to the final lab area and it was the nest 2 it was nest 2 i did get a big laugh out of that because i realized how exasperated you would get about that on the podcast after nest in the previous remake so uh, that gave me a nice cheap laugh i cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say about this game i'm sure it'll be a very interesting discussion with lots of interesting call-ins uh, thank you very much and keep up the good work Thank you, Mark, for that really uh, brilliant, uh, brilliant call in. I uh, really appreciate that. Very positive, actually. A lot of the points he really liked about adapting a lot of the original source material and changing a lot of the quirks. And he's, he's spot on. You know, you don't see Dario at the same time as you do in the remake, but he's still there, that type of thing. But I think his main focal point, though, is spot on. Everyone remembers the RPD from Resident Evil 2, and that's what Capcom have really focused on. He's right. That Resident Evil 3 original was more action-orientated out of the original trilogy. 
And perhaps that's what they're going with. We're, we are, we are going to turn it up to 11, as he says. I'm going to throw out a massive counterpoint on that. See, to me, what I remember most about Resident Evil 3, it is slightly more action-oriented than 2, don't get me wrong. The thing that I remember about 3 is it was set on the Raccoon City Street, and I don't get that in this remake. Yeah. Forget about the clock tower. Yeah, sure, okay, so the clock tower's gone, but we don't have a lot of street stuff. The stuff that we get, I actually like, and I wanted more of that, and that's literally pretty much all we get. Whereas the original game is sections of streets and alleyways and buildings and there's more to it in that respect i kind of i thought it was interesting too the comment about the rpd i totally get because like having carlos go there is really cool but it still doesn't take away the idea that we could have still had that and still had jill go there first non-related to dr bard or anything to do with that because you could have just had her going into the rpd and then carlos has to go in later because of the dr bard thing i think it still would have made more sense after jill crashed the car off the roof carlos hadn't just come and saved her she kind of managed to scramble her way up the road to the rpd the nemesis kind of pounced in front of her brad arrives still like wounded obviously but alive and he knowing that he's going to die tries to sacrifice himself to try and allow jill to escape gets killed carlos still turns up as remake has and then the events continue with him going into the subway and her being diverted away from the rpd i think that for example would have been a much more interesting dynamic that would have had similar beats to the original new surprises it's like that idea in my head is like what i see in this entire game is heaps of really cool moments and so many missed opportunities that kind of just don't mesh. I meant to mention this in, in Mikey's one, actually, because he talks about Carlos going to the RPD. And as much as I defended it in the last episode, I still maintain we were robbed of Jill characterization from her going back to her job and reacting to, like, seeing her place of work be torn to pieces. Because obviously, you know, she's been in isolation. She won't have actually seen what the RPD's become. And I think we could have been treated to so many delicious story moments of her exploring a vacant star's office. And although the Carlos section is, 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 is neat in terms of how it's integrated... To no surprise of anybody, I preferred how it was done in the original. George? It's just interesting because so much about this game, the failings feel almost like there was a, a section that was cut and in order to glue it together, they just had to quickly add on this extra bit with Carlos because it almost feels as if there was this section with Jill in the RPD and for whatever reason it, it didn't cut and that's why you're kind of left with these isolated areas that without a flowing narrative. Yeah, just just listening to this, I just get this feeling, this takeaway that a significant section of this game was either cut or, or kind of changed dramatically at the last moment. Possibly, possibly. I'm not sure. There could be some DLC coming. Nick, we haven't turned a lot of these things around into you too much. Do you see these as issues, or do you feel the cuts are justified? You know, in a remake, you don't obviously don't want to keep everything the same. It's hard because I really, really rank the original Resident Evil 3 up there in my top games, and they do things so perfectly in that game. There's a couple of things that, you know, I think I mentioned in the last podcast. It should have been Brad rescuing Jill, like, a bit like what you said, maybe with the rocket launcher. I think that would have been really good because he's got history with the rocket launcher, is still not being successful with Nemesis, and then Nemesis taking him out. I think that would have been quite cool. And the nice throwback to, you know, fans of the original game and the remake, I think that would have worked quite well. My biggest issue, I think, with it was just that everything happens so quickly. You just rush into a room, and there's Dario, for example, and then, then you're gone. 
Whereas not much longer in the original game, but you have a longer dialogue with him and you're in the factory and you can go to the save room, you can explore what's going on, you can have a good nose and you can go back to him and chat with him. And of course he's there throughout the rest of the game. And it just feels that they're plowing through it. And I think we spoke about almost like a tick box exercise. Yeah, got Daryl done, yeah, he's there. Got Murphy doing killed, yeah, got that, done that, done that. And it, I always say that this game was best when it just slowed things down, which is why I really like the hospital out, out of all of it because mm. you can go back and I love the fact that it's optional to go back there with Jill and you are mm. rewarded for doing such a thing. I think that's a really good good way of doing it and I get angry a bit that you can't go back to Jill's apartment because I wanted to explore that that main street and look at the cinema. You know, I want to go back into Barjack. There's bits that it is a Cliff Notes version but at the same time it really isn't. I said this in the last episode, I think I still maintain it's a very clever remake up until the subway crash. I think it, it takes enough of the original's DNA, warps it and twists it in ways that are still recognisable as being a Resident Evil 3 remake. And then the moment the subway crashes throws it all in the bin and then the last half of the game, outside of like exploring the hospital, which is okay, but then Ness 2... Thank you, Mark, though, for that calling. That was really uh, enjoyable. So, uh, yeah, um, brilliant stuff. Uh, the next calling comes in from a friend of the show uh, who's over from, at the First Aid Spray podcast, which is well worth checking out, uh, Sinayak. Hello, Resident Evil podcast team. Sinayak here. Long-time listener, first-time caller, all that business. I thought it was probably about time that I sent a voice note in, especially since you guys were specifically asking for them on this episode. I thought, now's my chance. Resident Evil 3 Remake for me is a game that I had mixed feelings about for a long time, or not so much mixed feelings so much as... I didn't quite know where to place it in my kind of ranking. You, you know, we're always looking at the tier maker things, right? I didn't know where it fell exactly on there. I think overall I prefer it over RE2 Remake. Uh, and a big part of that was the characterization, which brings me to kind of what I wanted to get a little bit of a discussion on, get kind of everybody's take. Everybody, I think, was very happy with how they handled Brad. He got a moment of redemption redemption this time around in, in a sort, which was very nice. Um, the surprising scene later was obviously the one with him and Marvin. And I saw this discussion on Discord. I don't remember if it was the uh, the REP Discord or, or, or ours or Crimson Heads, one of the many ones that we're all a part of. But I saw the discussion about Brad's sorry line, and I'd like to get you guys to maybe discuss it a little bit. Do you think that this was the last remnants of you know humanoid brad in there fighting back control actually genuinely apologizing to marvin or do you think that perhaps the last shreds of humanity there basically enabled this zombie to imitate speech but there was no more there was no actual apology there was no depth he was just making the same noise my case somewhat i suppose for the former the imitation is all these remake zombies that wander around the streets yelling you it's kind of it's it's a word <laughs> i don't know i said i'd love to get to hear you guys to uh, talk about this very tiny moment that uh, really stood out to me in this game uh, yeah love what you guys are doing looking forward to the final uh, version of this episode coming out and then very much looking forward to the future canon episode uh, if that's coming as well yeah uh, so take it easy keep up the good work guys uh, thank you, Sai, for that call-in. I really appreciate it. Um, just for people who are unaware, the specific point that he's raising uh, relates to whether zombies can 
talk. And this has been a long debated discussion going back arguably since the first game where we had the kind of itchy tasty keeper's diary all mm. the way up to I think Vendetta. If you watch Vendetta in subtitles, there is arguably a moment in the film where the zombie says a uh, character's name, I believe. But according to Batman and the uh, novelization, this is purely an error. So Brad is an example, potentially, of a zombie saying, Sorry! Or is it, as I'm tending to lean towards, is it more of a case of him, he hasn't quite turned, and I still think he's in um, the, the kind of keeper phase, which basically got, a, not canonized, but uh, made more pertinent with Revelations 2 with the afflicted zombies, so they're kind of kept in this perpetual state for a longer period of time. I personally lean towards that. So he's he's not quite... He's there, he's turning, he's saying sorry, and just as he kind of says, sorry, he's then, ah, he's just kind of then becoming completely zombified, should we say, and then the, the last kind of remnants, if you like, of his voice just then says sorry. Yeah. So I don't think he's a talking zombie. I don't think zombies can talk. They don't have the intelligence to talk, but they can, can still make those noises. <laughs> Come on, man. Not you too. I don't believe he's imitating Marvin there. I think that is the, literally the last shred of Brad's humanity about to leave him. His brain is still working in some capacity because he's go he's gone back to the RPD. He's found that sense of location, if you like. He's seen Marvin. In a sense, it's copying. Marvin says to Brad, doesn't he? I'm sorry. I still think him saying the sorry back is the last shred of humanity just about to depart from him. This gets into that question that there's a little bit of looseness in the way that the virus works. And had they died and then reanimated, are they being killed by the virus? And that handover between, and it just plays a little bit loose when it needs to because of plot. And that's just like any movie or TV show or book. I, I don't think there should be much question behind it. I'm pretty much on the same page as you guys. I think it's pretty clear cut that he's in the stages of dying, turning into a zombie at the very end. And, and I think it's pretty obvious. It's not like Bub in Day of the Dead, you know, learning to talk and do stuff or it's not to return the living dead with the zombies saying brains you know like it's not comical talking zombies or anything like that it, or smart zombies or anything i think you guys are perfectly right on it uh, thank you Sai, for your uh, call in the next one we have is actually an, an email that we received so this has um come through from uh, zach and Saburn. i'm going to dictate it so you have to endure my dowsit tones for a while longer so listen carefully folks Hi guys, love the show, keep up the great work. Also, congrats on the new site, it's a gem. Right, Resident Evil 3 Remake, this is not a great game, it's average at best. There is a lot wrong with this game. You guys talked about highs and lows, but only found adequates and lows, bare minimum, springs to mind. This game feels like a playable version of someone's misremembering of the original, if that makes sense. I didn't get the original one released, but a guy in my English class did, or rather his big brother did. He would tell me about what he'd seen, but he often skipped details, probably the bits he missed because he was at school while his brother that was at home playing it. That's what it is to me. Nemesis is, is pathetic, far more scripted than the original, far easier to deal with and far less intimidating. Instead of stalking you, he's merely conveniently teleports to what, whichever door you're planning to go through, either leaping past or spider-manning down a lamppost or wall. The tentacle grab was a mistake too. Pulling Jill to the ground kills the pace and slows everything down. All he had to be was faster than Jill, and she's bloody slow as it is too. <laughs> there is no variety. That is the biggest casualty of this version, which kills replayability. We had the conflicting stories of what happened and where Nemesis intact, which hid the scripted nature of the game. 
far more. Not anymore. Item placement, character interactions and story beats give us an incentive to replay, but I just didn't get that here. It's pretty much all the same. People have been quick to defend it, saying enemy placement is different on higher difficulties. That's nothing new. You expect that. Like I said, bare minimum. What's that? Brad is unkillable and follows you around the whole RPD. Whoopee! Remember what that was... Uh, was one of the many bonus modes in re-remake, bare minimum. Ultimately, this game feels like a total misfire and a victim of Remake 2's success. Also, how does Jill Valentine lift and fire a gun that's probably the size and weight of a fridge freezer? Nonsense. As for resistance, nah, shit too. What a wasted chance and disappointment. Four out of ten. Quite a damning verdict, I would say, from Zach and the... Did not hold back, did not hold did, back. Did not hold back, did not hold back. Uh, we've spoken, obviously, about the scripted nature. I, I agree completely, aside from the kind of demo. We, we talked about it a little bit on the last episode, where Mr. X is more like old Nemesis, and Nemesis is more like old Mr. X. Yeah, and absolutely. that really comes down to that whole scripted nature and so forth. You also spoke about Brad, but he should have been in perhaps standard mode for the yeah. stalking around the RPD. I think I think that was a worthy addition, not just for difficulty, but just for for interest. You know, it's mm-hmm. really kind of you see him as you want. He's wandered past a window. He turns up at points in the RPT, and if you haven't done it before, he will appear more often depending on how you dispatch him. So yeah, it's kind of more interesting that way. I think you know, you get, you when you go back into the locker room to get the battery for the explosive upstairs, he arrives and bangs on the door and, and attacks you again. Like yeah, it's kind of I think that would have been more interesting. That's again, that's what I was saying. Lots of missed opportunities. I've heard a lot of people say this, Rob, but a lot of people actually implied that the Nightmare and Inferno enemy placement makes the game considerably better. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, I'd agree with that. If you don't end up playing it, um, you can probably just watch some videos online. But yeah, I'd agree with that, Sean. A good example, just to give you an early one, is you come out to the streets after the subway section and you get into those narrow alleyways. There's like a horde of like four or five, six zombies kind of all congregated at the end on the corner of the alleyway. So you can see them before you get to them. But it's a good challenge because you've got minimal ammo at this point and you can use a dodge mechanic or weave your way through if you're sensible enough. Another point of playing the game at this difficulty is you could have probably a good understanding of the mechanic. And it's an interesting challenge because it means anytime you have to go back through there, if you haven't dispatched them, you've got several enemies. There are some that are a little bit cheesy though. Like for example, and again, not to spoil one, you know, not to spoil things later in the game, but early on, outside the donut shop, there's like literally just a ring of zombies just lying on the ground. And as soon as you like walk through, they all kind of like spring up and it's just like oh well that's kind of cheap like i like the one in the alleyway because i thought that was kind of cool but like the zombies just deciding to all spring up at the same time not as much so it's just like anything else that sort of swings around that's what cool well there we go george well do you know it's, it's funny whilst there were points of this game that i enjoyed and you know i remember stars was quite surprised by how positive i was on our podcast but that was after only the first playthrough and that was a damning verdict, and I can't think there was nothing in that review that I disagreed with. But but again, I just think it comes down to the fact that so much of this game doesn't necessarily feel rushed on its own, but when you put it all together, it leads me to believe that this is a game that, that was suddenly cut short very quickly and was rushed out, presumably to be on the, the coattails of, of the Resident Evil 2 success, you know, the remake success. Mm. And, yeah... Yeah. No, they're inter- really interesting. The, the comments about the, the kind of cut and the rushed element of it that leads nicely into our next call in, which comes in from Colin Evo. Hi guys, it's uh, Colin uh, Evo. I uh, thought I would maybe 
was going to say writing, but I suppose messaging with my thoughts on Resident Evil 3 Remake. To be honest, I quite enjoyed it. Not convinced the game knew where it wanted to be. I don't know, it's, I feel like there's part of it missing, a big chunk of it missing, to be honest. My theory on it was that basically they had planned Resident Evil 3 Remake for next year. And what's happened is when there wasn't such a great sort of reception for Resist Project Resistance uh, I think that's what it's called now, you know what I'm talking about anyway, but uh, when there wasn't such a great sort of, it wasn't, nobody was going absolutely nuts for it, I think they've shut the bed and thought fuck we need to do something and I think that they've then panicked and put on an ending to Remake, I think the game's probably meant to be a bit longer uh, as everybody theorised, I think it probably had about another year's development time. But like I say, I think what they've done is, when they've put out this Project Resistance, I mean, I made the joke a few months ago about, could you imagine if they were like, Project Resistance is launching in this date. Oh, and Resident Evil 3 is gold and it's coming out in January. Now, obviously it's a few months on from January, but it's very really similar to what I was joking about. I find it odd that Resident Evil 3 wasn't announced first. Project Resistance was. So like I say, I definitely think they've shut the bed and that's why they've released it when they have. Uh, I think they've cut out a big chunk of the game because it just wasn't ready and they've sort of smushed everything together. Now, like I say, I did quite like Aliens, sorry, uh, Resident Evil 3 Mac. Question for you guys though, do you think that if it was Claire and Sherry in the final battle with the Nemesis instead of Jill, that when she was ramming that big cock-shaped gun into the mouth, she would be saying, get away from her, you bitch. Eh, be interesting to find out your guys' thoughts, but, yep, that's my thoughts on it. Cheers. Thank you, Colin, for your uh, colourful uh, comments on <laughs> on Remake 3. Really interesting, because that's something we've been talking about throughout this podcast, actually, about cut content, and he's of the opinion that perhaps Resistance didn't get the overall praise that perhaps Capcom were looking for to release it as perhaps a standalone release. And then in his terms, I will narrow it down somewhat, they decided to then just package it with Remake 3 and that, that com- because they had a time frame for that instead. Can I just swear to everyone, we uh, did not listen to that call before the show tonight, even though that has been absolutely nailed on to some of the comments earlier. No, no, it, it's just it was obviously quite a common complaint and feedback that a lot of people share, which is which is understandable and something you know Capcom should certainly listen to. The comparisons he makes to Aliens are not unnoticed by the community, though. Well, they do lampshade it quite a bit yeah. with the whole Sigourney's opened in 1979. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the end of the day, if your character's going to homage Ripley, you you could do a lot worse. That was very true. Yes, it's one of the most iconic characters. It's funny because, yeah, we talked about Resistance and people have been playing it and what they were thinking. And it's funny because we were talking about that and we are talking about, like, my March last year there was that leak about Resident Evil Outbreakers, which obviously ended up being Resistance. And it was pretty spot-on information if you go back and look at that post from game FAQs. And obviously it's been in planning for a while. At the point when that was up, it was at least somewhere in development for a, a number of months. 
So Resistance has been at least in development for, I'd say, 18 months before release. But it begs the question of Resident Evil 3. The producer has said three three years. Does it feel like a game that had three years development on it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. It, it was at three years full development. Like, that could be three years, but it didn't really ramp up until Resident Evil 2 was finished and the DLC because that was where they moved the rest of the team across. Like, they had certain people working on it, and then it was really only in the last 12 months, really... 14 months they kind of really pushed hard on it and they were kind of split between that and the online and they had to outsource stuff which is there's nothing wrong with outsourcing stuff for your game lots of companies do it it's not a bad thing but it doesn't make the game in this case feel bigger or grander or better it doesn't feel like the product of a three-year development cycle if that doesn't include resistance and and then if it does it only it only adds into that mix where people look at resistance and they look at three make unfairly it's not resistance's fault but people are going to clearly go oh all this effort put on resistance they could have put extra effort into remake three and they feel kind of slighted against resistance which isn't a fair call because it Development doesn't work that way. Just because you don't work on two things at the same time doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to improve the main product. We don't know how those functions and how teams are split and how much is outsourced and so forth. So I think if anyone turns around and goes, oh, just because because Resistance exists, Remake 3 was worse, I think that wouldn't be a fair call to say that. I don't know if I believe the theory just because Resistance wasn't as positively beta-tested that they rushed 3 out. But it's always a possibility. There's no evidence to say yes or no to either of those scenarios. We shall see. Perhaps something we'll allude to in the future. We'll try and keep you posted. Thank you, Colin. Always always a pleasure. Always a pleasure with your call-in. So hopefully that's uh, answered some of your questions. The next call-in is actually another email we've received from Smiley, and he sent me a goddamn essay. So bear, <laughs> bear with me. So we'll quickly run through this. So hello, Resident Evil Podcast. It's your boy Smiley here, coming at you from his quarantine safe house to give you an update on his impressions of Resident Evil 3 Remake. Well, it's finally happened, and much sooner than most of us are expecting. Fresh off the high that was Resident Evil 2 Remake, what we have here is both a sequel and a remake that offers some highlights and pleasant surprises, but at the end of the day, falls short with a few glaring missteps. Let's start with the positives. Capcom continues to show just how impressive the RE engine is. Since 7, the engine has been a catapult of showing realistic environments and characters. I still enjoy some of the more cartoony visuals of past Resi titles. I have to admit this new direction really takes things up to the next level. Everything from the characters to the Raccoon City environment feels alive. The motion capture and choreography bring some intense action segments in the cutscenes. The voice acting continues to get better with Jill and Carlos having really good chemistry with one another. The game offers multiple difficulties for both casual and hardcore gamers. The weapon variety is also reminiscent of earlier titles and is sure to give plenty of options for how to approach enemies. There's also a lot of humour in this one. In more ways than one, this feels like a spiritual successor to RE4. Jill is equipped with a sharp tongue and isn't afraid to use it. The game's action places Jill in a lot of scenarios that make you double think the believability angle that was being touted. It works with the die-hard theme of Jill in the wrong place at the wrong time, yet still rolling with the punches. As far as the negatives go... I'm not going to be one of those gamers that talks about the game's length. I don't consider short games to be bad on their own, but this is no ordinary game. It's a remake that comes from a list of sequels and other remakes which offer first-time players a hearty dose of exploration. As a remake to the original, it cuts content out that would, would have resolved this problem. Level design like the park, cemetery, and clock tower could have been updated. More puzzles could have been included that make you stop and think, as the original RE3 did. A boss fight with a gravedigger could have made the sewer levels more interesting. Hell, even a mercenaries mode playing as Jill and the UBCS character would have been fun just something more even the unlockable feels bare bones 
unless I've missed something, the only unlockable costume in the game was the star's uniform, which is pathetic, and hiding the classic outfits behind a paywall is also disappointing. The original RE3 was known for the different costumes you could try on, and it's a shame that they didn't include something like that in the remake. At best, I can see them doing it later as a DLC, but from what I've seen so far, they likely wouldn't be as creative since they're afraid to even put Jill in an actual skirt, and some of RE3's outfits involve them in some fashion. This is where mods come in, but you shouldn't have to rely on mods to make your game better. Speaking of replayability, I can't say the singular storyline and linear gameplay did any favours here. By cutting out one of RE3's most unique modes, which was the choice selection, you eliminate the illusion of player choice in expanding the scenery by using one ending and having it be the ending that doesn't include Barry, Capcom have taken away one of the biggest surprise endings the series had to offer. This all would have been fine if the game delivered on Nemesis, who was the standout of the original, but I'm sure many will agree that Nemesis was a step down in terms of what have been accomplished in the span of 20 years. We've seen many stalker enemy types, from Lisa Trevor to Jack Baker, but it was Mr. X from Remake 2 that took people by surprise when the game came out. They evolved that character from his original counterpart by allowing him more free reign to chase you around the RPD station and beyond. Nemesis in RE3 Remake only has one real segment where he did something similar and it's very short-lived. The rest are predictable and they are streamlined or lead into a boss fight. And unfortunately, the second Nemesis mutation I wasn't excited with. Now, I know people say that Resistance is included with RE3 to justify the $60 purchase, and that's a problem because both the two are very different games. Resistance is not RE3 multiplayer, but rather its own individual product. The voice acting is cheesier than the performances given in Remake. The gameplay is structured differently, and it seems like RE3 elements are just going to be added on later. I think the game should have been sold separately at $30 each, which would have been a reasonable amount. So all in all, I had fun with what there was, despite my criticism, but I can't recommend the game as it stands. Maybe with more DLC and a price drop than I would. So there we go. Thank you, Smiley. I think that's really summarising quite nicely like what we've spoken about for this entire podcast. It's, it's interesting to hear Smiley like that because he is one of the, the sort of more positive members of the community and can always find merit in um, areas that other people can't. And it's a little bit like what we've said about yourself, Rob, when the sort of more balanced opinions of the community are finding fault in this title really does highlight in many ways how Capcom maybe missed the mark with this one. I just listening to that call then and it just makes me think back to when Resident Evil Zero the HD I was in production they brought back the original director Koji Oda on a day-to-day basis and I just wondered you know it just sounds like the remake of two and particularly the remake of three that these were just produced by by a development team that just just didn't seem to have a real understanding of just what made the original so great and just makes you wonder how much they could have benefited if they had Kazuhiro Aoyama the original director for three on board you know, as, as a consultant, because I agreed again with all, all of those failings, completely agreed with. Well, depending on where you read it, there are rumours that Koamura was involved in an early stage, but then chose to leave the project because he didn't like the direction it was going in. So, And when it comes to Remake 2, the original director on that wouldn't have cared. He even said as much when they did the roundtable. He sat down and was just like, it's a new thing, it can be its own thing, it's not what I directed. So I think... Depending on the director, they're either going to be very passionate about trying to keep certain things and or not. And uh, yeah, I don't know what sort of impact that would have overall to to a game coming out. Because at the end of the day, the, the company is going to do what it thinks is going to be profitable. And I think this is part and parcel of what we have to think about when we're talking about these games. On the scheme of a Resident Evil game, it's been selling really well. On the scheme, by comparison to Resident Evil 2, it's slightly behind, but not by much. So 
it's interesting to see what sort of impact that will have. We vote for what we like with our dollars. As much as Capcom will send out surveys and do ask the community and look obviously at community feedback and they look at the reviews, looking at as many points of data is really good. But the biggest one, obviously, at the end of the day is how we spend our money and how we, if we buy the game and we really like it and we tell other people and they buy the game as well, those those dollars add up to what's positive in the franchise. So it's it's a it's a really hard balance, and I kind of can give them a little bit of a pass for that. The one thing that I haven't said enough positive about, and I definitely didn't say it in the last episode, so I do want to say it here, and he brought it up, so it's a good reason because I was going to say it otherwise. The RE engine is a really solid, really well-designed engine that creates a really good atmosphere when it's crafted really well. And Steven proved it, and the mood that you get in these games is really good. And I think that's another thing that maybe 3, it looks amazing, and the details are really good. But because it's so bright and there's so much neon in the streets and like it's not the same thing again, it's a little, a little bit over the top. But it's still it's still a nice engine and I still like the characters and I still like everything about it. And I definitely want to give kudos to like the development of that engine and I hope Capcom continues to use it. Well, let's keep that positivity going uh, with our final call in, which comes in from Vito. Okay, I'm going to be a little bit controversial here, but I absolutely loved Remake 3. The game sure has some lows, I would admit that, but its highs are very high for me. For starters, the characters are simply fantastic. Jill, they nailed Jill, really. It's the best Jill we ever had in the entire series. Her interactions with the other characters simply breathtaking. She actually feels alive in this game. Carlos is also vastly improved. In the original, I couldn't even care for Carlos, but here, very good. I really want a new game with Carlos now. <laughs> Same with Nikolai. Nikolai, they made Nikolai more vicious in this game, especially when he interacts with Jill. The scene where they meet is very good. The way he kills Murphy in front of her and Jill's reaction to it. It's one of my favorite scenes in the entire game. And now that we have a hint that Nikolai is maybe working for Wesker, I really hope Capcom pays that off and have him return to the series as a Blue Umbrella operative. That would be cool, right? Another character that is vastly improved, maybe the best improved in this game is Tyrell. By simply being a character, an actual character here, and having great scenes with Carlos, because in the original, he just shows up to die. <laughs> <laughs> I would admit that it's a shame that Brad isn't killed by the nemesis, but his scenes with Jill are very good, and his later scene with Marvin is one of my favorite scenes in the game, and that's only possible if Nemesis doesn't kill Brad, so in my opinion, it's a fair trade-off. Now, as a game, putting the story aside, I really liked the pacing. The pacing reminded me a lot of Resident Evil 5, which, if you listen to my, some of my previous recordings, or if we chat in on Discord, 5 is my favorite game in the series, so Remake 3 having a similar pacing is fantastic for me. They truly, the devs truly wanted to make this Jill's desperate escape, and they truly nailed it, in my opinion. The game has better soundtrack than Remake 2, better files, bear enemy variety. Nemesis is actually fun to fight now thanks to the dodge mechanic instead of annoying like Mr. X. Ooh, uh, having said that, the game does suffer for lack of content. 
definitely. Remake 2 has it beat there by a large margin. But still, is still just comparing the campaigns, I prefer Remake 3. Now, the most important aspect on this game is, of course, Nemesis. I'm gonna be brutally honest here. Nemesis, second and third transformations, I vastly prefer them in on the remake. In the original, his second transformation is just Nemesis with, with more tentacles. His boss battle really isn't that, that, that much different from the boss battles before. But now here in the remake, since it's very different, the fight is also very different, and I actually enjoy it better. I actually enjoy all boss battles in this game, the flint tower one, the clock tower one, and both of the nest fights. I honestly would include them in my top 10 boss battles on, on the series, definitely. Especially the flint tower one and the final one. I'm sorry guys, but the final one simply epic. It's absurd, of course, but something about seeing Jill wielding that ridiculous railgun is fantastic to me. And the remix of the last boss battle track from the original is breathtaking. Now, the only low that actually really bothered me is the cutting of the clock tower. The game could have easily been half an hour or an hour longer if they actually included the clock tower, but they didn't and it's a shame. It can't be excuse. They really dropped the ball there. Another, another thing that I really liked is Nemesis' ability to infect other zombies with its offsprings, I guess. Very remnants of G. Which, in my mind, makes kinda sense since G was discovered by Wesker and Birkin injecting a Nemesis parasite into Lisa Trevor. So, in my mind, it makes a little bit of sense. And I will also agree that Nemesis is a little bit scripted in its normal appearance but uh, in fairness it's also very scripted in the original and granted they could have expanded that but I don't really mind that much I really really had fun with the nemesis encounters they included a multiplayer game in, with this game in the hopes of increasing its value but in all honestly resistance is meh to me I would have preferred to cut that and include a mercenaries mode in there especially so I could play with Nikolai Mikhail Tarell and Carlos but oh well I would easily give it 9 out of 10 personally to me bye guys thank you Vito for that lovely positive upbeat uh, ending to our podcast that, that wasn't Vito it's like that was Vito who'd just suddenly kind of discovered religion or that, that, that was very strange that, that was kind of like 1960s hippie Vito <laughs> yeah, out of out of out of body experience. I think you make some good. But I mean, I, I, again, I clarify. There's nothing specifically wrong with a lot of the boss fights. They're fine for what they are. I think a lot of us disagree that they're particularly good for the remake of what they're supposed to be. So you know, like the acid fight, the acid room fight, and the clock tower fight. The boss battles are fine, but not in comparison to what they should. Be. I don't agree that the boss battles are better that he was saying. But he did make me kick over a point that. Maybe Capcom would change them because, in their mind, they did see the first fight you have with Nemesis and him chasing in the streets, and then the fight at the clock tower as being too similar. He's kind of right. It is kind of the same fight with Nemesis having tentacles. And when you up the game to the point where Nemesis can pull out a tentacle whip at you during regular gameplay, when he is chasing you around the streets on the mostly non-scripted part, then it is kind of hard to then add that as the next element for a fight. So where do you go? So on that on a game design plan i can totally kind of see the progress and why you would do that but it still doesn't mean i still like what they came up with for nemesis 
because as everyone here has already said, it's a bit like a G4 fight and he's running around in circles. Yeah, it's not a Nemesis fight. They didn't come up with something else that was created that put Nemesis separate. They just came up with something that they could have already done in Resident Evil 2. And yeah, mm. it, I think that's where the difference lies. I'm pleased he really enjoyed it, though, because it's, it is an enjoyable game. You know, I gave it seven, I think. It is a fun game. I think it's quite replayable just because it's quite a short experience. <laughs> he said about the pacing as well. It's it's like a real rush of 25 minutes. You get through all those tick boxes. We talked about the tick boxes. Then you have this open section, and you can kind of take your time with it. Then all of a sudden, you're funneled back through a section. You've got a boss fight, and then another funnel, and then you're at Kendo's, and then you've got another kind of nemesis chase, and then you've got a giant head rolling down the stairs at you, and then all of a sudden, you've passed the petrol station, you're back into the thing, and the nemesis chasing you again. That's not good. That's not good game design. You shouldn't have a constant, relentless pace and then a very big open section in these sorts of games. I don't think any other Resident Evil title, even 6, 6 has some weird ideas and it has a car chase sequence here and a thing there, but the pacing isn't even as out there as this is. And, I, and you know, some people might love that, but I really didn't. Like, I just don't think the pacing is right at all. I suppose 4, 5 and 6 get around the pacing issue because it's it's chapter based whereas because this is a continuous narrative all the way through and the only chapter breaks really given when um, the other character takes over it makes it quite jarring I mean I always found it quite jarring how like you play a good majority as Jill then you get Carlos going around the RPD then you get a boss battle for Jill and then you're back as Carlos again it just doesn't feel like effective partner zapping or anything like that it just feels like they were fumbling their way through how to tell the story I think that's true that's very very true I think the other thing that he said that I really has just clicked me over a little bit and he was talking about oh you know Nikolai and, and Blue Umbrella and all that sort of stuff basically treated night nikolai like whisker jr right and it just clicked on me maybe that's the idea that they've went here that like right we killed whisker off and we need to have a replacement for whisker who can we bring back what would be a good narrative to do this let's do it with nikolai i'm not sure what i think about that right now just coming up with this thought in my head but like i can see the process behind it if they did go down that path because they've essentially just replaced whisker with someone else that would do what whisker would do just without the virus infection right uh, if there's no Resident Evil 4 retcon, all of a sudden he's just going to appear after disappearing for how long in the canon? About 20 years in the canon? Oh, yeah. This was their final word to be able to say something on Nikolai, wasn't it? To, like, kill him off once and for all, or to just establish where he went after Resident Evil 3, and to leave it open and ambiguous, as they have done, leads to all these kind of problems and theories. This is an interesting thing, like, Capcom didn't really go their way to really add a lot of replayability on this in general. Like, it's fine to have the point system, which literally is just like the one in Resident Evil 6, which is very basic, and, and then all of a sudden you've lost all the epilogues, which gave you all these story outcomes for various characters, which we don't have, so there's not even any definition in this new era that could have done that sort of stuff with Nikolai, or with Jill, or with Chris, or with Barry to remind people where these characters went on future journeys. And then you've missed all the other unlockables like costumes and so forth. And and even having mercenaries, I can see why people complain, oh, I really like mercenaries. But the other thing that mercenaries did is it gave you unlockables you used in the main game in a way that didn't require you just to replay the main game. Whereas that's why unlocking all these things in the main game can feel like a bit of a grind to people. Yeah, sure, it can be a short game if you want to run through it, but... Sometimes it's nice to have that bonus mode to do it too. Yeah, that's an interesting point, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how much more I've got. I've got I've unlocked the samurai edge, the costume. I think that's probably gonna do me. 
<laughs> to be honest. The one thing that's hit me the most out of all these call-ins, and it's not just ourselves on the podcast, but this has been one of the most polarising Resident Evil games of recent memory. You know, more so than the two remake. Mm. I know Resident Evil 7 has its haters and its lovers in, in, the, in the community, but the thing with Resident Evil 7 is the people who love it really put it on a pedestal. The real people who don't like it really hate it, whereas this is just kind of in that, yeah, it exists kind of category. And that is arguably the worst place where it could be when it's just kind of non-effectual yeah people i know what you mentioned that people people won't remember this game in a long time when they think about like what the best and worst recent evils are it doesn't kind of qualify for either it's it's kind of it's it for the people who enjoy it it's good but they can still see flaws for the people who hate it they kind of hate it but they can still see what's good about it and so it kind of sits in that awkward middle mm. space it's not as passionate as like people that really hate resident evil 7 the people who really like resident evil 7 the people who really hate resident evil 4 and the people who really like resident evil 4 you know like there's there's a huge difference there yeah, I totally is, agree you get the impression that this is eventually is just going to fade away and achieve ultimately nothing in the legacy of the series re remake 3 then well there's a quip for the next opening for the next episode (laughs) jesus well i would like to say on behalf of everyone on the podcast thank you to everyone who's taken their time to call in or send us emails it's been an absolute pleasure we weren't quite expecting so many call-ins but we're really grateful that everyone has taken their time to do so we've had a great response and as you would have heard in this podcast really a mixed bag on what everyone was thinking about the game and particular points they liked what they didn't like and I think it's been really eye-opening, and I do like doing these community ones, which we'll probably carry on doing for every kind of major release, because at the moment they all seem to generate quite a lot of talking points. But as with all our podcasts, we're always welcome to for call-ins about any topic that we cover, so uh, don't be afraid just to ping us an email if you want to uh, send another call-in. Not a problem at all. Even if someone wants something that they want us to talk about, they should flick us something. Even if it's not the topic we're talking about, I don't think we'll be opposed if someone called up and they've got a really good comment or an idea about something the franchise has never been raised before. Because, as Sean's kind of pointed out here, that all these ideas and stuff that have have come through in this episode, the stuff I hadn't even thought about with this game, that having listened to all these people mm. say these things, I, I has twigged my brain and made me think about things I hadn't thought of. So. I'd be keen to hear from anyone who's got anything for us to talk about on a more podcasty rather than a like Discord kind of based thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that does therefore finish our community's episode sixty point five podcast of our of remake three. That's part two concluded. Uh, next up, we will probably be looking at resistance in a bit more detail. I think we want to. You won't, Nick. <laughs> I, w- I won't. No, I won't. I will. <laughs> I'm going to be the voice of the uninitiated, which I often take in this podcast. If anyone wants to call in about resistance, that would be fantastic because it really does generate quite a lot of opinion going on, uh, matchmaking, uh, level attainment. It's had a few patches and updates already, actually. So, And, and you can all send us your various impersonations. You know, we, we love to hear Oh, oh yes. yeah. Any Fabron impersonations, we'll collate them and put them in the gap between the quiz. Or something. So uh, on that note, I'd like to uh, thank everyone for listening it is goodbye for me Neptune goodbye for me Star Star goodbye from me George Trevor and goodbye for me Robbie <laughs> <laughs>